For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Now I am looking at live maps of uh, all of the approach roads and indeed the city roads and the roads across the bridges and across the city. And there's a lot of red there. There really is. Certainly all of the approaches come from east, west, north and south as well to some extent. But if you're coming in east and Donkettle, if you're using the south ring going east-west, you know if you're stuck in it how bad it is. I mean, I was 55 minutes stuck in it this morning because there have been a number of crashes and rear-enders. Um, and a lot of this has to do with weather-related issues, of course, and wet roads. And unfortunately, if you have people driving too close together, that can lead to all sorts of mayhem. There was one uh, where three cars were smacked and one of them ended up on the other side. Two were on one side of the road, the other was on the inside rail. And, of course, that caused all sorts of delays and issues with regards to um, uh, traffic back up on the South Ring. So I've seen the stuff that KC was working with this morning. Uh, Two-car collision coming in from Ballincollig. I just took his notes from, actually. Little Island to Glanmire, very, very bad. A four-car crash just at the Wilton turnoff heading west. People were calling in. Uh, lots of buses broken down, cars, cars broken down. A four-car bump up heading west in the fast lane just uh, uh, on the uh, uh, just at the Dub- Douglas flyover as well so there was lots of them unfortunately and that is impacting as well as the weather impacting very much so be careful out there you're probably late already if you're if you're still listening to me stuck in traffic and uh, that's a bummer but hopefully people will understand it's not of your making now two piles of papers this morning one has to do with the budget and the breakdown of the budget I love the way the papers give us the budget at a glance they always start with fags and alcohol then and they move on to the pension increase at 12 euro and the welfare increases at 12 euro and the minimum wage going up in January to 12 euro 70 the tax credits for renters um, it's a lovely thing to see they had rolled out free school books for primary school that free school book scheme now goes all the way up to and including junior cycle students that can't be a bad thing you got the double payments for child benefit and all sorts of welfare benefits in December mind you when those double payments are paid they're gone and when they're gone they're gone you're back Back then to uh, what many are saying is a paltry 12 euro increase in weekly payments. They're, and they're attempting uh, to recruit a thousand new Gardaí and also just not just Gardaí but clerical admin staff as well. So they break it down in all of the papers this morning. They talk about the uh, hope of building more affordable homes, um, also uh, more HAP schemes available to people. They go into issues very little on health, I have to say, apart from attempting uh, to you know, create from somewhere 22,000 th- 22, new staff through recruitment across the health sector. Uh, but I don't know whether health really needs a major reboot. And, you know, I mean, is, is it really? I suppose it is about the staff, really, but it's, it's probably about the model of HSE that we have now. It's just not working out. It's just not fit for purpose. So all of the papers talk of that this morning, and you get loads of it at a glance. So your thoughts on it are welcome. Text 0868104106. I will return to it in a, in a few minutes' time, but be assured that many of the papers are leading with it today. Not all of them are leading on their front pages with the budget, though, because some of the red tops are talking about the murder quiz as cops dig at a home in y'all. Now, some of the red tops this morning are a lot more specific about the address and the home. Uh, but for reasons, uh, for legal reasons, because I will be talking with Barry Roach at the Irish Times, uh, I'm not going to go into identifying the premises. Uh, but some of the red tops actually do this morning. The broadsheets hold off somewhat for, for legal reasons. 
uh, like for instance you see in the sun this morning Anne Mooney is saying Tina murder cop quiz where they say a man has been arrested on suspicion of murder by cops probing the six year disappearance of Tina Satchwell uh, at the age of 45 she went missing from her home in Yall and a house in the town now was sealed off yesterday and a man is being quizzed at an East Cork Garda station and he can be held uh, for 24 hours meanwhile at a premises and a home down in Yall Gardaí have gone in forensics have gone in Kango hammers shovels all sorts of equipment have gone in um, to look beneath the house and indeed the garden and the yall and, and, the, and the yard w- one of the papers this morning is, is suggesting that um, there was some activity years back after the disappearance of Tina Satchwell where there were renovations going on and that has caused suspicion. So more on that in a couple of seconds with uh, Barry Roach. But also another couple of stories that we've been following uh, was the Ukrainian refugee, um, the Ukrainian man who was found dead um, just up at the Cork Airport Hotel, which is a centre for refugees and Ukrainians. And he was found dead. And you might have been listening yesterday. I was talking about a Ukrainian uh, man dying and a woman, um, you know, being questioned by Gardaí. Liam Healan has it in the examiner this morning that the Ukrainian refugee accused of dangerous driving causing the death of that man with whom she'd been socialising in Cork. Uh, she was brought before the district court uh, where Gardaí objected to bail, saying that she was a flight risk. So a woman has been charged with dangerous driving causing the death of that man. Uh, papers today, obviously, um, as I say, carry much to do with the... I love the, I love the front page of the Mail this morning. The higgledy-piggledy tax cuts do add up, but they'll be gone and forgotten about in a day. <laughs> That's really calling it, isn't it, as to what the male thinks about it. And Holly Willoughby dominates the papers, not just here, but all over the UK papers this morning. What was the reason behind her quitting this morning after 14 years? She had just signed another contract. She got a whole pile of cash added onto her contract. So she wanted to go forward and yesterday she announced that she was leaving the show uh, and she wanted to spend time with family. Now, um, one of the big issues here, of course, and those close to Miss Willoughby say that the alleged kidnap and murder threat against her a man appeared in court yesterday to answer questions about that, a kidnap and murder threat against her that had left her terrified uh, to be away from her children. And that was the main reason as to why uh, she decided to quit the show. And everybody's upset. She's much loved um, and uh, it's a powerful show. Of course, Philip Schofield left there recently. And one of the papers this morning is saying that she was um, she, she sensationally quit. Um, bosses were gobsmacked and they're saying that uh, she had set, left for the sake of her herself and her family, following the alleged um, kidnap and murder plot, but also um, that uh, she hadn't got over the departure of Philip Schofield. So it's, it's kind of, you wouldn't, you know, I, I, I wouldn't put so much, I mean, I know, don't know much about it, but you know, I wouldn't have thought she would have been all that caught up about the uh, departure of Philip Schofield, but certainly the issue with regards to the kidnap and murder threat against her, I mean, certainly if you have a young family, you would really be very, very worried and disturbed and anxious, wouldn't you? I mean, work would be the last thing on your mind. In other news this morning, uh, they are um, hammering away at trying to get pubs particularly to to switch off the dodgy boxes and they went into a tiny little pub. It's a story uh, from the Irish, Irish Times this morning. A tiny little pub uh, out down in Kerry where they were, you know, using a, a dodgy box to show uh, Premier League soccer. They only had um, the one little television um, and uh, in they went on a few occasions and saw that it was being used in there. Um, the pub never had anything to do with Sky. It had no li- licence or anything to broadcast the actual matches. It was the railway bar in Lichnaw. Uh, they got fined 20 grand 
Now they'll have to pay up the 20 grand and in hindsight I suppose you had a fair, you'd had a, at least a few years of Sky subscriptions out of that 20 grand. Not many though because it's not cheap for pubs. Actually there are publicans listening. I would love to know what's the annual cost of Sky in a regular pub. I know it depends on square footage, doesn't it? But if you're a publican, you work in a pub, what's the sky bill per annum? Because you have to have all of the sports matches these days. Not good enough now to be watching Coronation Street or EastEnders or Fair City. You need to be able to cater for all of the needs of your different different customers. So how much would it cost, though? What's sky per year in a pub? And then Anne Mooney picks up again on the story in The Son of the Man with Two Passports. This fellow had two Irish passports in the name of two deceased babies. Um, he uh, was arrested in the Cork Passport Office last month. He was applying for a travel document in there. He'd already had two. It's very interesting because the Guardi are trying to identify the man, find out what his real name is. And they've even been in touch now with 195 different countries in their attempt to identify who he actually is. And that's a story. It's a mystery that undoubtedly at some stage will be solved. And um, I also want to mention Ralph Regal has a lovely story in The Independent this morning of a martial arts champion who was inspired to take up Muay Thai, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, by the Olympic boxer exploits of Katie Taylor. Uh, and she has emulated her hero and clinched a world boxing Council European title and that's Aideen the Block Mullins from Cork. I want to give her a big shout out. The Cork teenager claimed the WBC super lightweight title with a fifth round technical knockout of her Italian opponent. So take a bow and congratulations Aideen the Block Mullins at the age of 17. The Neil Prendeville Show. Cork's number one talk show. Sure, Cork. On Red FM. So after the break, the latest developments in y'all into the disappearance of Tina Satchwell. Barry Roach from the Irish Times next. Talk to Neil Prendeville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. And you can text 0868-104-106. Barry Roach, Southern Correspondent of the Irish Times, joins me. Barry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? I'm good. It was around about, what, just after five yesterday when news was breaking from y'all with regards to a man being arrested for questioning and also a property in y'all where lots of guards, forensics, technical, cadaver dogs, equipment all went into a property down there. Fill us in with the blanks. What happened? Yeah, um, basically there's been a review into the missing, uh, into the disappearance of Tina Satchwell who went missing from y'all or was reported missing on the 24th of March 2017. She'd gone missing on the 20th of March. Her husband, Richard, reported her missing four days later. He said he'd given a few days because he thought she wanted to get her head clear or get her head straight. But Gardaí reviewed that and on foot of that they effectively upgraded her disappearance from a missing persons case to a murder investigation. And once that happened then they had the facility or the capacity to go and, and, and make an arrest and about five o'clock yesterday evening as you say uh, they arrested a man in his 50s in Yall and they secured a property there they cordoned it off uh, put up hoarding well eight builders who came in and put up um, 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 fencing and then they, they wrapped that in plastic sheeting to um uh, basically obscure and can't conceal. Black plastic, she, I black see it, yeah, yeah, that's what... So, so they went in there. My understanding is, uh, sorry, I suppose that the man, first of all, was arrested under Section 4 of the Criminal Justice Act for questioning about the, what Gardy Seno was the murder of Tina Satchwell. He was brought to Cove Garda Station and he can be held there for 24 hours. So he was arrested around 5, so that would have brought him to midnight. He had the option then at midnight of deciding whether or not to suspend his interview or his questioning 
overnight until 8am this morning my understanding is that he didn't so, so does the clock stop if, if, if you did but he, he decided the, not. yeah the clock stops he has the option of stopping the clock effectively and sleeping from midnight till, till 8 and then oh, right. off again at 8 but he opted not to so it's gone through the night so basically they have that man in custody for questioning up until about 5 o'clock this evening when they'll obviously be taking what they've got from the interview and put it to DVD and seeing whether they're merit to charge or okay. anything like okay. that. So can, can, can I just ask you one question, and I don't know whether you can even answer it. On what basis would the Gardaí um, upgrade it from um, a missing person to a murder? My understanding is that they, um, they carried out a review which began about two years ago into it and they would in the course of that they would have looked at the original file as I understand it uh, would have involved um, about 400 lines of inquiry uh, they would have viewed over 100 hours of CCTV footage and they would have taken about 170 witness statements so on the foot of reviewing that they felt there were avenues to be explored and that there was merit in upgrading it so obviously um that they may have, my understanding is they haven't received any new information it's simply on foot of a more thorough and forensic review of what they already have and they decided to make that call uh, and upgrade it. It's happened as well, um, listeners may be familiar with the case of Annie McCarrick, uh, the American woman who disappeared back in 1993, wasn't it? Yes, um, in the year 19th. Uh, yeah, and that was upgraded earlier this year, if you remember, to a murder investigation as well from a, from a, a missing person. So it's not the first time that this has happened. So they made that call. And then they uh, effected the arrest after that and it sees off the house. My understanding is that the search of the house is going to take some time because there's quite a lot of work to be done there. Okay, um, so who's, gone, who's gone in? And there's technical experts there. I've seen the videos and the photographs of lots of um, different uh, Garda vans and uh, forensic vans and whatever. But what did they bring in, do you know? Uh, they brought in... Um, well, there, there are three basic areas, four basic areas that they're searching there, as I understand it. There's an adjacent garden at the back of this property uh, which doesn't belong to the house owner but is accessible that is very overgrown I understand that it's owned by somebody living in America was the last I'd heard so they've gone in there with hedge cutters chainsaws trimmers so the first job is going to be clear all that vegetation away so that's one job the second thing is there's a shed or a garage there which needs to be searched and cleared out the third job then as I understand it is that there's a, a yard there which has to be a concrete yard or slab yard which has to be uh, excavated so they have kango hammers and consoles and uh, shovels and uh, crowbars and various things like that to lift those slabs and look there and then the fourth area obviously is the house itself and my understanding is that they're aware that there was some renovation work done there and some changes made to the house structure so they have a couple of builders advising them as I understand that as well uh, there are about 20 yes. guardiers total involved in the operation I think between uh, teams of interviewers and then search teams and then there are people down from the Garda Technic Bureau in Dublin and of course the other thing that they have then is a cadaver dog uh, a Springer Spaniel who obviously is trained to discover or search or detect uh, human remains so could it cadaver dog detect or pick up on human remains through slabs and, and concrete I don't think so, but I, I wouldn't. I, I, I might be wrong on that. My, yeah. my, my, I suppose, or layperson's view would be probably not. Probably but, uh, not. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so the, I, I would imagine the cadaver dog is probably not. He, this is probably going to take a week or so. So I imagine the cadaver dog would probably be not today, maybe tomorrow or later in the week before he's 
or she, I'm not sure what, which which they are, whether they're going to come in, when they're going to come in, but uh, I might be wrong on that. Maybe, okay, but it's a significant uh, point that you make. Um, you just mentioned it there. Some of the other papers kind of go into it in a bit more detail than your good stuff, where they talk about alleged renovations to have taken place at the property at the time of Tina's disappearance. Um, you know uh, that that's, that that is a development in itself, isn't it? That that information. Yeah, my under, my understanding is the changes would have taken place sometime afterwards. But um, but you know what I mean? It, it's a development yeah, yeah, anyway. I suppose. They have um, they have um, they as I say they have builders on standby to assist them in terms of any sort of structural work, and I think they may have access or uh, may have a structural engineer available if they need to take out walls or up floors or anything like that. But it sounds like they're going in here with the. Uh, full metal jacket mode to do yes. a serious yes. serious um, deep search as it were an excavation you know clearing the garden or the adjacent garden area then excavating the backyard clearing out the shed and then if there's anything in the house that needs to be dug up or taken out or um, dismantled then they're, they're they're ready for that so I presume it's going to take um, the bones of a week I would imagine yes. meanwhile the man in custody is um his uh, detention period will expire about five o'clock this evening. What would happen then? What has to happen then by around five-ish? Oh, they have to make a decision whether to release or charge him with some offence uh, and that will be in, obviously in consultation with what they've gathered at the interview and the other evidence that they have that they'll send to the DPP and they'll be in contact throughout the day with somebody in the DPP's okay. office okay. and solicitor. But then uh, that, that person is, say for arguments, like the person is uh, not charged, then obviously accommodations to be provided for them. Um, because the house is still uh, effectively declared a crime scene and um, work is ongoing in terms of the excavation and search there. So there's a lot of just the logistics of yes, yeah. doing this operation. Yeah. Okay. You know, you have to go and I presume you guardy don't have tango hammers in the back of the patrol car so they have to go and organise that and organise chainsaws and there's a lot of Bo- different moving parts to be put together to plan an operation like this. And these two uh, moving parts, they all happened at the same time almost simultaneously, did they? Yeah, it's... Um, it seems been very much uh, carefully coordinated and from my understanding went off like clockwork in terms of arrest at five o'clock in within five minutes start shipping in the tools and equipment uh, hoarding goes sorry hoarding goes up man arrested hoarding goes up or screen goes up then they start moving in stuff uh, I went down I mean I, I, we carried the story about quarter past five or something like that I went down afterwards to see what it was like it was a huge crowd in y'all it was just people on the streets, TV cameras, uh, it really was um, attracting a huge amount of attention. I met one elderly man there who said to me there wasn't this much excitement in y'all since Moby Dick and uh, he sort of uh, recalled that day when he was actually in Moby Dick in the 1950s when the film was made there, but there was a huge uh, crowd and then because the hoarding comes out halfway onto the street the street was reduced to one lane so there was major traffic tailbacks and at one point the guardie actually started diverting traffic away from the street onto uh, the main street because it was just causing such and um, I don't know whether that was people obviously there's a bypass in New Orleans people get out through the town by not going into the town but a lot of people were coming in and one guard suggested to me that people seemed to be coming in to, um, to gape and, and yeah, the mobile phones were out yeah they were yeah, filming so yeah, there was but, yeah. but there was a real I mean I was there about quarter past six it's a uh, um, and there was there must have been about 100 people a lot of kids around and a uh, huge crowd gathered around and obviously it was the talk of the town yesterday in there Okay You um, also in the Irish Times this morning look back at the disappearance of Tina Satchwell at the age of 45 March the 20th 2017 from the home that she shared at the time with her husband Richard Satchwell 
in in y'all um, and and she has not been seen she has not been picked up on on CCTV no, the, her um, passport wasn't used the ports and airports pick up on that that's the back yeah, story yeah the Richard Satchwell reporter missing in Formoy she's originally from Formoy she was seen at Dingevin and they met in England in the 1980s I think them. Um, she was staying with her grandmother and his brother lived nearby and they, they hooked up and uh, they got married and old them in 1919 then came back to Cork and were living in Formoy but they moved to Yall about 18 months before she disappeared and uh, you've, you've had Richard Satchel on so you've, he said this to you himself and he said it to many other media outlets that uh, he reported her missing she went missing on the morning of the 20th of March 2017 he had gone to he got her breakfast brought her tea and toast around 10am and she asked him to go to Aldi and Dungarvan some, some, for some shopping but when he returned two hours later she was gone and he hadn't heard from her since he said it was the same as any other morning she got up and I made her a cup of tea and a slice of toast it was something I will never forget it wasn't unusual for her to turn around and ask me to go shopping I thought nothing of it at the time when I came back the keys were on the ground and then when she didn't come back he said he thought she'd gone to Formoy and then he waited four days he said because he thought she was looking for some time to quote get her head straight mm. Uh, so he then in various other interviews over the course of that year and the following year he said she suffered from an undiagnosed depression and she had a huge fear of ending up in antidepressants and he said that was the one thing she made me promise that I would never make her have antidepressants Um, he said as well that um, two suitcases were missing from the house and some 26,000 euro in cash which were the proceeds of the sale of their previous home in Formoy and the proceeds of car boot sales because they used to go to car boot sales quite frequently and had been actually in one in Tool on the 19th of March, the day before she disappeared. Um, and that was the last public sighting that was of the last by members of the public. Of her, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and he said then that he felt he was under suspicion but denied any involvement. And he said, if I was asked to take a lie detector test, I'd take one. I'm innocent of any wrongdoing. One day my wife is going to come, going to turn back up and she's going to get in touch with Gardy. He described her as the light of my life. She's my daylight. She has been my life since meeting her, even since before I spoke to her. To be honest, my life altered the day we got married. My life has been one long honeymoon. It's been like that since the day I met her. And then he mentioned the fact that since she disappeared, coming back to the house has been um, coming back to misery, effectively. There have been, once Gardy were alerted to her disappearance, there were a number of searches carried out. Uh, divers from the Garda Water Unit uh, searched the waters off the keys in Yall because the couple lived on Grat- or live on or he they lived on Grattan Street, which is right across the road from one of the the, the keys there. So divers carried out searches there. Uh, there were army brought in from Collins Barracks, and there were cadaver dogs joined with them and Gardy, and they searched scrubland and woodland off the Goldlings Road in Yall. And then in March 2018, about a year on, Gardy. Uh, received a report that somebody matching Tina Satchel's description had been seen in woodlands near Castle Martyr and there was a major search operation uh, mounted there at St. Mitchell's Wood in Bridgemont and Castle Martyr. It took 12 days. Uh, 60 Gardaí searched 40 acres of woodland. Uh, they had uh, radar, uh, groundbreaking radar sensing equipment but there was no trace found of her then. So that was sort of the last major search until this most recent one though. Yeah, there was the, so. there was the two suitcases, remember Barry? Yeah, that was another unusual aspect of the case. In the Tesco uh, car park in York. Yeah, uh, Richard Satchel, he said he found two suitcases beside a closed bank in Tesco car park, which he believed belonged to Tina. But Gardy uh, obtained those from him and carried out um, a forensic examination. They were satisfied that they weren't her suitcases, but he did say suitcases were missing went along with the money. So uh, there have been a sort of unusual aspects of the case. He said, I never once in nearly, th- again, 
TV3, I think it was Paul Burley told us, to, in 2017, uh, about, uh, again, he said, one day my wife is going to turn back up or she's going to get in touch with Gertie. One way or another, this will all come out. And in time, it will all prove that I did nothing wrong. I'm innocent of any wrongdoing. He said, I have never once in nearly 30 years been together laid a finger on her. The most I have ever done to her is to have a tight cuddle, loving the bones of her. There is nobody out there that can seriously contradict me on that. I would never lay a finger on her. So obviously he was sort of conscious that perhaps there was some uh, chatter or something like that. As, I, as you said, she was last seen at the pu- in public or by a member of the public at a car boot sale in Carrie Tool on March 19th the day before she disappeared and then on the fourth anniversary of her disappearance um, Richard Satch was March 21 said that he'd not given up hope of finding his wife still alive but uh, revealing that while he puts a brave face and matters in public returning to the empty house and all he said was misery unquote mm. Mm. so that's you, yeah you say again I, I don't even think I remember this fact but you say in the Irish Times that Tina didn't even have a passport but they did check ports and airports and had the assistance of the Northern Ireland police and the British police no evidence that she ever left the country no, no evidence that they could find. Um, as you say, no passport, but obviously you can get, you know, go up to Belfast and uh, I'm not sure the technical thing, but you can get ferries. True enough, but no no use of ATM paper. machines, no money no, withdrawn nothing. from banks, nothing. No, as if vanished completely off the face of the earth. No sign of any activity of any sort at all, you know. Okay. Uh, so okay. Uh, there was a lot of, as I say, 400 lines of inquiry, 100 hours of CCTV, 170 witness statements. So there was a lot of work done in the immediate aftermath of it and I think it's on foot of reviewing all that now that this most recent development has taken place and the search has um, the man was arrested and the search of the house uh, sealing off the property in all and the search of the house in all is underway as we speak Okay and uh, clock is ticking to round about 5 o'clock for the question period for the man and also Gardaí technical experts construction all sorts of things go on at the property in at a property in Yall. Uh, let's watch that story and see how it develops. Can I just ask you very quickly? I don't know whether you're preparing that. You're also carrying the story this morning, uh, relevant to that story of the man who died up at the Cork Airport Hotel. Yeah. The Ukrainian. We spoke about that Ukrainian refugee. Is there an update on that one as well? Yeah, there was. Uh, after we spoke yesterday morning, there a woman appeared in court uh, yesterday afternoon, charged in connection with the man's death. Her name is Ksenia. Vasilenko, she's also Ukrainian, and her address is at the airport hotel. And yesterday afternoon, she was charged with dangerous driving, causing the death of the man, Andrew Nesterov, at Cork Airport, Lehnamor, on October the 8th, country to Section 53.1 of the Road Traffic Act. Um, the court heard evidence from Detective Garda Gary Brennan, the talk Garda station. He gave evidence arrest charge and caution and said that she made no reply. Miss Vasilenko, Vasilenko made no reply when the charge was put to her. But he said, Garda, we're objecting to bail on the grounds of the seriousness of the charge the strength of the evidence against her and the fear that she would flee the country if granted bail because of the likely penalty upon conviction and that penalty is a sentence of up to 10 years in jail. And he said the state would allege that Ms Vasilenko drove Mr Nesterov's Hyundai Alhambra in a dangerous manner which led to him being knocked down and fatally injured in the car park of the Cork Airport Hotel about 2.08am on uh, Sunday morning. And he said there was strong evidence to support the charge as they had seized Mr Nesterov's car and it was fitted with a dash cam, which he said captured the entire incident, while Ms. Vasilenko accepted an interview. She was driving the car in a dangerous manner that led to his death. Uh, he said that they feared she would flee the jurisdiction and she had no ties here. She was granted bail, sorry, she would flee the jurisdiction. She had no ties here. She'd come to Ireland in December 2022 after fleeing uh, war in Ukraine uh, with her five-year-old son to join her mother, who was already in Cork at the Cork Airport Hotel. 
and she took the stand then Miss um, Vasilenko and said she would stand trial in Ireland she said she wasn't going to flee the country if granted bail she'd come here to get her son away from the war in Ukraine after the Russian missiles began sitting or began hitting their city in central Ukraine and she said I understand that the police are afraid that I will flee here because I'm not a resident of Ireland but I will stay here and comply with all police checks I promise I will not leave the country and I will do everything that is asked to me and she said that to her solicitor Frank Bottomer and she confirmed to him she'd surrender her passport the passport for a five-year-old son and her mother would also surrender her passport as a means of guaranteeing that they would not seek would not seek to leave Ireland mm. the court granted bail she said I'm not a criminal person and I want to meet my responsibility she said she wasn't working in Ireland as she had to mind her son and she was only in receipt of job seekers allowance and that wasn't going to be enough to fund any uh, attempt to flee um, but she was cross-examined by uh, Sergeant Pat Lyons of the Guards and she agreed that her husband was back in Ukraine he's working in IT apparently and he's restoring computer systems in capture in territory that has been recaptured from the Russians but she said she didn't want to bring her son back to a war and run country she said I do not want my son to spend all his time in a bomb shelter because missiles are not just being fired outside our city they are being fired into our city and she said she didn't think it would be possible anyway to leave Ireland if she didn't have a passport. Um, Frank Bottomer again said that his clients would, she'd worked in local authority, uh, local authority, the city council in her native city. She's a person of good character, he said no criminal record, and was willing to surrender her passport and sign on daily to a guard station. And he said, made the point as well, given the length of time it was likely to take for her case to come to trial, first of all, in terms of the Gardaí completing a file, secondly, going to the DPP, thirdly, the DPP making a decision, she could be waiting up to a year in custody before the case was dealt with. But Judge Olin Keller said he had to take into account the seriousness of the charge and the real guard affairs that the accused might flee the jurisdiction. And he said in those circumstances, he wasn't satisfied to grant her bail and he remanded her in custody to appear again in court on October the 16th. So that's where that is at the moment now. And of course, the deceased, Mr. Nestrov, um, also Ukrainian, he came some months ago. I think you were telling me he was, he was working as a baker, wasn't he? Apparently in Ballincollig, I think, and uh, he was staying at Cork Airport Centre Oh, airport hotel, sorry, and he had booked tickets recently, I think, to travel to Poland to see his wife and his three children, so sad day for that family. Okay, okay. Much obliged, Barry. Covered a lot of ground this morning. You're the best. Have a good day today. Barry Rhodes, Southern Correspondent with the Irish Times. Uh, text 0868 Les, now you're up to speed. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 Red FM. Yeah, interestingly, the budget day yesterday, of course, and many of the papers are dominated by this morning. Um, but I'm just curious as to what people thought of the budget after the main facts and points were announced yesterday by Michael McGrath. I'll talk to Michael McGrath uh, later this morning. So Brita Forrest was out in Ballancolig to ask people there what their feelings were regarding yesterday's budget. So you often wonder about budgets like this because all they try and do is spread the butter very thin on the bread, if you know what I mean. Have an eight. That's fair enough, mind you. Of course, they cut the usual, like the cigarettes. I'm afraid I do smoke. Yeah, so, do you know, it's crazy. Like, you'd, but in one way, like, to encourage it and, like, maybe to time to give them up. Do you know, at that kind of price? Yes, definitely. You know, so, but, yeah, I think overall, too, is fair enough. Yeah. You see, disabilities and all that is grand, but... The once-off measures, they, they don't add up to the total uh, taxation. Yeah, and I saw that they're, they're reducing the tax spend and the USC at long last is coming down at long last. And they're look, looking after carers. And Do you think it'll help you personally? Hopefully, hopefully. We won't know until we get a pay slip, but uh, time will tell. We'd like to think it would, do you know? I do have a child with a disability, so... I suppose that was the only thing that I could see, you know, that there was some kind of 
anything to help with them. I know there's not enough services for children with disability anyway and there's not enough help there for them. It's like they're the forgotten children, really. It just goes a small way, that's all, really. I did hear most, a good bit of it, I mean, there's, well, the child care, they said they bring it down 25% thing, but it's not, it's not happening at next September, so it might be, you might wait until next year again for it, it's only an extra month. It's 50-50, the cost of living, like, won't make no difference, no matter what they do, like. USC was brought in to bail out the bankers in 2008, and here we are 15 years later, and myself and my partner are paying about €5,000 a year to bail out the bondholders over in Germany that were not even guaranteed. So they betted on giving us money, and then things didn't work out, so we get all the taxpayers to pay it back. So I think that should be scrapped completely. And I think the biggest problem of all is energy credits. So me Hall Martin have three dwellings. He have his own house and he have two more houses. An ordinary person who have only barely one house got 600 euros. Mihal Martin got 1,800. There's 65,000 summer homes, right? So there are people, millionaires probably. They all get it as well. So they're kind of getting everywhere. Yeah, but that's only for the election that's coming up, you know. So we all know that, like that. They'll give you the increase and encourage you to vote for them in the whole lot. I suppose the one way to spare, like 12 years for the old age pensioners and social welfare. That was good enough. In a nutshell, the rich will get richer, the poor will go poorer. That's an known fact. It worked out that way last year as well. And the same, if you do the figures this year, it'll probably do the same. Very interesting points of view from uh, well-read individuals in Balancholic late yesterday afternoon. Thank you, Breda. It's a €14 billion Euro budget. And the actually, it's a bid to win back working family votes. And others were suggesting, you heard in that Fox, that it was a bid to win the next general election. This budget and perhaps the next one ahead of a general election, considering the big train that's coming down the track in the shape of Sinn Féin. I like the way the Mail put it this morning. They kind of look at it slightly differently and they try and look at five successes and they're ones that you might well miss Uh, and one is the free hot meals where Heather Humphreys will provide hot meals to every pupil in a thousand primary schools by 2024 and the other 1,000 eligible schools in two years after that where hot meals will be available for everybody in schools in Ireland. That's interesting isn't it? Also rolling out the free school books for all students um, Bar those in private education or private schools. You wouldn't be getting it like in a, a private school. But in the, the public schools, right up to junior cert. Already it was being done for primary school. So that's got to be good. Um, of course, there was the, the welfare rises, the little reduction in USEs. That unfortunately, for people who are mega rich and earning huge amounts of money, they will benefit the most from the USC decrease. Um, one would think that maybe the very high earners should have been left out of it and that all of the USC cut should have been just to people on middle and low incomes, but what do I know? The €12 for social welfare recipients, they're honing in on that as well. Mind you, I did hear some talk this morning uh, on RTE where uh, some were saying that the welfare increases should have been €25 per week. And then, of course, we look at all of the different issues. They also talk of the failures, though. Certainly, it would be deemed as a failure in housing uh, and health. God only knows what they're going to do about health. Uh, Some issues like that, they're trying to hire uh, more Gardaí. But for those that are in the force already, a lot of those are disharmonised and unhappy with it, and they're leaving. So how are you going to get other people to join in? I do not know. you got no change to alcohol. Uh, You don't have a change with regards to fuel in any way, shape or form. Uh, 
but they already put up excise on that anyway. Um, you will also find that um, uh, the price of a packet of fags has gone up by 75 cent. It had been thought that it would be 50 cent, but it's gone to 75. The idea here is, of course, is to reach a point where nobody is smoking anymore just to make it uh, too expensive. You got a lot of double payments of, of different social welfare payments this side of Christmas. But the interesting thing about those is they're one off. And when they're gone, they're gone. And many people then are just back to the 12 euro increase a week. But that's just, that's, there's, there's lots more like that. But I'm just kind of trying to hone in uh, on some of the big picture items. Mind you, no matter what they do, Pierce Doherty wasn't happy on the air with me earlier in the week. And I'm quite sure that even Donna Colera won't be happy with the budget announcement yesterday. In fact, I think somebody within, if I read this morning in this morning's mail, the Sinn Féin spokesperson, uh, front page spokesperson, Rose Conway Walsh said, never has it taken so long for two ministers to say so little of any significance. I'm joined by Donna Colera. Donica, good morning. Good morning. Yes. And of course, your job this morning now is to uh, punch holes in the budget, right? So off you go. Well, look, I mean, I suppose in terms of what's our job, our job is the opposition is to provide opposition, but to be constructive as well. Uh, and like, I mean, there are things in this budget that I think you can see Sinn Féin fingerprints on. Like, um, like... Well, I think the big one is the mortgage interest relief. I don't think that was on the agenda. I think, in fact, the government was very hostile to it, um, you know, going back towards the start of the summer. But, like, we were very conscious of this. People in Cork who are paying five, six hundred euro extra in mortgage since the interest rate increases. So, you know, it doesn't go as far as we would like, to be honest. And some of it, it's going to be a bit messy the way the government has designed it. So, for example, if you're refixing your mortgage next year, it looks like you won't avail of it, even though that could lead to uh, a fair significant increase in your a very significant increase in your interest so um, look we'll be trying to push the government to improve the shape of it but certainly it's something that would have come from the Sinn Féin proposals I think the tax relief to renters Just on on the mortgage uh, interest relief um, doesn't that benefit the richest with the biggest mortgages a bit like those who are the richest paying the highest USC will get the biggest USC reduction the richer you are the more you receive no, I, I don't agree with that. And there is a cap, I suppose, on uh, the, the, the size of the mortgage that can avail of it. Um, but well, if you have a 500 grand mortgage, for instance, as opposed to a 200 grand mortgage, wouldn't you You get more relief with a 500 grand mortgage, wouldn't you? Well, like, I mean, I suppose that is true. But, like, I mean, I think the vast majority of people that we're talking about, and, like, there's not many homes for 200,000 anymore, unfortunately. I think an awful lot of people on very ordinary incomes would be looking at mortgages that would have started us. Three, three forty kind of thing, yeah, uh, and yeah. they mightn't be very far into it. Um, so, like, a, you know, houses are expensive things. So, very, very ordinary people have fallen behind. Very ordinary people are are facing increases of. Um, there's a woman in Carrigaline I was talking to recently enough. She her, her mortgage had been sold to Pepper, and I think she had been initially looking at four hundred and fifty increase, and I think it was gone up to five hundred and fifty increase. So, there's no household can can bear that kind of increase. So, like, obviously, it needs to be targeted, and I think there's scope to improve the. Shape. But, but I think it's it's welcome that the government have listened to us that there is a need for to address some of that. Like I mean, I think there's also the renters tax credit. Again, it's less than we would have liked, but again, that was something that the government had opposed in the past and eventually signed up to. Now, what they're missing is the halt on rent increases um, because. If you don't do that, then landlords will just build it into the cost of rent. So I think that's a serious error by the government. And I think that the good that might be in the increase in the tax credit for 
for renters is unfortunately undermined by the failure to do that. Uh, I, I think the tax credit that is being discussed for landlords is 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 a very poor use of money, 100 and, between 100 and 160 million, um, that isn't going to succeed in keeping anyone in the yeah. market uh, and is going to go to an awful lot of people who neither looked for it, neither asked for it, nor had any intention of leaving the market. So that's an awful lot of money to use. That rent way, tax not- increase, just looking at that credit, is just up 250 euro, 750 euro a year. Um, yeah, it, it's it's something, but it's not much, is it? No, it's not, no. And I, like I mean, we would have um, proposed that people would have been get a full month's uh, rent back up to a thousand five hundred euro. But like I mean, as I say, the problem with it is is that the government isn't halting rent increases, so that the landlord, like I mean, it will just be passed on to the price of rent. Um, so I think that it is an incomplete action. But when you when you pull yourself back, like I mean, while I recognise things that are welcome and things that we would look for on the hot school meals is, is another and also uh, the, I suppose to extend free travel to those with epilepsy which is something I will look for as well um, but when you draw it back and you look at what are the biggest challenges in Irish society it is in housing and it is in health Yeah and but you're the, crowd, you're, the, you're, the, you're the party that wanted to abolish the first time buyers grant even uh, Piers Doherty said it to me during the week and that's a lifeline I, for many it could be 25 or 30 grand by a new well, house. can I? Uh, I'll explain why very happily. Like, I mean, we support um, assistance for first-time buyers, but like, I mean, it's very clear the evidence has borne it out that this is just being added on to the price of first-time homes and is making them more expensive, significantly more expensive than second-hand homes. So you're helping the builder or the developer, not the buyer. That's is precisely it? it, and it's being built into the price of uh, of new build homes and it is doing nothing to increase supply it is doing nothing to reduce the cost of housing it is only adding to the cost of it and an awful lot of people are availing of it and look I mean I don't have any opposition to any this government scheme people apply to it they're, they're welcome to apply to it and that makes sense obviously for them as individuals but in terms of the system as a whole all it is doing is um, adding it is increasing if you're not trying to bring down the price of housing you're not serious about the housing crisis and that's our view and there's an awful lot more I think that we would do uh, to address the issue in relation to housing and like the government knows that this isn't working as well by the way they've commissioned reports and the reports have told them to, to, to put an end to that and that there are better ways to help first time buyers if you look at the big oh. Housing and health, they have failed to address it. The housing capital budget for next year is the same as it was last year, despite all the missed targets, despite the fact that house prices are increasing. So build more homes, build them faster, build more of them, get people to work, breaking ground and building houses. And, and, you know, some people will say, you know, in terms of, oh, well, like, I mean, it's not just money, it's about, you know, have we enough builders and all that kind of stuff. One of the things that we want to do is reallocate resources to to and using stamp duty to do that from some of the building of hotels and apart hotels and things like that into proper housing, into proper affordable housing for people. And we have stop building office measures. blocks, stop building hotels, stop building um, friends, friends, student accommodation. Is it? I wouldn't say stop, but like I mean, I know not student accommodation, but some of the apart hotels for the private market. Um, but like I mean, I think you know not to stop that, but to prioritise the building of affordable housing for people who need it. Uh, and that is our number one priority. And I don't think that, like, this isn't... I, I, I think any fair analysis of this budget can see that this government, or this budget, is not going to shift the dial in terms of the housing crisis that we are facing. And for me, that is the biggest issue for, for workers, for families, 
for businesses as well, for people who are looking to invest in Ireland, one of the first things that people who are uh, on behalf of these companies, they come and examine Ireland, one of the biggest concerns they have is where are our workers going to go? Okay, uh, and, and where are they going to live? Yeah. The, the, the yeah. different cost of living measures, though, um, the 450 or electricity credits, the three payments, the fuel allowance lump sum payment, the double month's child benefit, uh, that and, and lots more besides. The, the, that, that's all very good, isn't it? And it? Well, on the one hand, I mean, but when it's gone, it's gone. They're one off. But they'll help people through the winter, won't they? Yeah, look, I mean, we would have advocated for a number of one-off payments as well, and uh, I mean, they have a place, um, but fundamentally, like, I mean, from a social protection point of view, like, I mean, we would have liked to see some advances in the core rates for for some of the key people who are most at risk of poverty, who are most at risk of, of falling behind, um, and for, in particular, uh, lone parents, but also those on disabilities. We would be of the view that, like, I mean, the government has failed to recognise the fact that there is cost to the disability. So if you have a disability, your life becomes more expensive because the various things that you have to do and the things, the assistance that you have to seek and all that kind of stuff and the challenges that face you, we would have liked to have seen a greater increase for those on disabilities of €20. Euros. Um, we would have liked to have seen an increase like fuel is going up and up and up and, uh, you know, carbon tax was increased. It's just something that we would have opposed at this juncture because of uh, the fact that people are under savage pressure. But there's for, €450 Euro electric electricity credits and uh, for those that are really struggling the fuel allowance lump sum and then even in January again there's a double week of all welfare scheme payments in January where, where I was going with that, Neil, though, is that, like, right, while the lump sum is welcome and it's something that we would have advocated, the rate of fuel allowance, the, the, the weekly rate, isn't actually increasing. And if they've also refused to have something that we've been looking for for a long time. So there's an awful lot of people who'll be listening who get the working family payment. These are people who are out working, and, uh, but they're, they're not on very high incomes. Uh, they don't qualify for fuel allowance. They don't get any assistance with fuel. Uh, and okay. The, 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 welfare, the, the welfare increases. I did hear this morning um, that, uh, you know, I know that it's, 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 it's 12 euro, but some are suggesting that it should have been a lot higher than that. In fact, I heard an interview with uh, Social Justice Ireland said that the um, welfare payments should have gone up by 25 euro a week. Yeah, look, I mean, that is... Uh, because you know, be because the minimum wage is still two euro ten even below the living wage. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, look. I mean, that's not what was in our alternative budget. We were looking for an increase of fifteen, and then more for some particular people, such as people on disabilities of twenty, and then additional help for people with children in terms of the qualified child allowance and all that, or qualified child increase. So and increasing child benefits. So supporting families um, who are under a lot of a lot of pressure at the minute. Uh, that's not the number that we would have picked. Um, like I mean. Uh, you know, there is, uh, you know, when I'm discussing this with Pierce Doherty, we need to make sure that we're making targets in terms of the sustainability of the budget too. Um, but It's not um, a blank check. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Uh, but, like, I mean, I think fundamentally what people in those organisations will make the point is, like, the, the auction politics around social protection payments at the end, and what we would be saying is you need something a bit like the Open Commission that makes recommendations so that you don't have this kind of bidding war in the newspapers over the summer during the city season of, oh, it should be a five or it should be a ten or it should be fifteen. And this auction whatever. politics, has that got to do with um, the general election whenever it happens uh, for, and, and trying to win back young voters away from Sinn Féin? Yeah, look, I mean, I suppose the government can answer for that, and uh, I'm sure... You know, nobody drafts a budget without being aware of the political context. Um, I think what Sinn Féin put forward um, was 
firstly, I think would have addressed a lot of the most immediate issues, but also I think offered a better long-term vision for for this state and I think went an awful lot further in both housing but also in health which is a big priority for people like Minister Donnelly was boasting over the summer of 1,500 exit beds didn't deliver it. he boasted multiple times didn't deliver it like how are we going to get on top of the situation that we face in the winter not just the winter in our hospitals okay. Okay. if we don't provide additional beds and additional staff and make sure that our nurses and doctors can stay in this state rather than, than, than travelling to Australia the far east okay. um, out of time know, out of time out of yeah. time Donica yeah. thanks for taking the call we covered as much as I could uh, Donica Larry Sinn Féin TD Cork South Central uh, your thoughts are welcome most importantly so text 086 8104 we're back after 10 now Show Red FM and all week long we have a great prize to give away each one daily. It's a prize for an overnight stay for four people, including dinner, courtesy of ourselves in the Maldron Hotel on the South Mall. Wonderful location and caters for all sorts of people, not just beds and bedrooms and hotel rooms, but also some great function rooms of different sizes and dining options with uh, barbecues when the weather is good too, and celebrations for birthdays or christenings or family celebrations and things like that. All catered for at the Maldron on the South Map. But our prize every day is an overnight stay for four people, including dinner. So more about that throughout the course of the morning. We've been having some good fun with that uh, all week long so far. You can text 86 8104 and people are. Um, and I will get to many of those texts throughout the course of the morning. People are honing in on different aspects of the budget. You heard in the news there, Penny Dinner saying that really a 12 euro increase on different welfare payments will go nowhere near what's needed to help people with one of the big items for people who are uh, really struggling is to put food on the table. They talk of food poverty. It's quite interesting if inflation continues to drop and I'm, I'm open to correction on the figures but from a high of 8% to around about 5 or 5.5% now and they're suggesting, Michael McGrath is suggesting it will go down to 2.5% but even the drops that we're getting uh, you know, with the 8 to maybe 5 or, or what have you none of, the, none of the prices have come down I mean it's not as if supermarket prices or staples or groceries have come down if anything, they've gone up. So if inflation is dropping, why aren't those prices that we see in supermarkets dropping as well? So text 0868104106, and I'll start reading those texts in 10 or 15 minutes' time. But one of those that really deal with the cold face all of the time is uh, the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. Jerry Garvey joins me as a regional coordinator down around here. Jerry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Nice to talk to you. And you too. Um, so we, we have an idea, actually, of, of, of the different figures and the breakdowns of the budget. Will, will it make a difference, do you think? It'll make a marginal difference. I mean, the, the society would very much welcome the, the, the good that's put into education in particular. You know, we've been for a long time looking for free school books for all cyclists. So, so it's up to junior cert now, the free school up books. Up to junior cert, which yeah. is good. Child benefits up to the 80, for 18-year-olds is very helpful. Increased capitation for school grants, uh, improvements in SUSE, slight increase in the minimum wage. They're all very good things. But the big thing that worries us is that a lot of the payments, particularly for households, are one-off payments. So there's no guarantee they remain. And you already lose just there the €12 Euro increase in social welfare. The Vincentian Partnership did a major survey there in the past year. And they established that really to, to keep up with the cost of living increases, that there would be a need for an increase of €27. Euros. Oh, I heard Justice Ireland saying 25. You're suggesting... Well, why is that? Because, because things have got so expensive that any welfare increase doesn't match the increase in prices of things. Correct, because as you say, inflation is still with us. And as you just said there a few minutes ago, you know, prices haven't come down. I think the fact that the, the, the carbon tax increase has gone back again on the diesel and petrol 
that's not going to just affect you and me driving our cars. It's also going to affect deliveries. So, so that's going to further uh, impinge on delivery costs for groceries and all those essentials. So that's not going to help us. Um, you're looking at the one-off payments as well. There's three energy credits. People will get €150 each month for three months. There's a double child benefit. There's also another um, one-off double payment again in in January. Um, Not enough, no? No? They're one-off when they're gone, they're gone, I suppose? They're they're very helpful, but the point is, if you're trying to plan for the next couple of years, we've got that this year. What happens next year? You know, we've all the time said that, that we should be benchmarking social welfare payments against what's required for, for an average family or person to live. And they've avoided that kind of benchmarking. They've just given this one-off payment, so there's no guarantee where it's going to go or not go. The €12 Euro weekly increase in pensions and social welfare um, should be at least double, perhaps a little bit more than that, you're saying? Slightly more than double is what we're saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and when you're dealing with people... Um, is it food poverty? Is it trying to pay bills? Is it not being able to turn on the heating? Is it being in mortgage arrears, things like that? Interestingly, it's a combination of all those things. For, for some people, it's food poverty and energy poverty because they're frightened of their lives with the electricity costs. We're getting an awful lot of calls of people who's, who just can't keep pace with their electricity bills. They're turning to us for a little bit of help, which we're, we're gladly giving. Those who are paying mortgages or paying rent have an extra pressure because those are constantly going up and there doesn't seem to be much to, to, to stop them. Um, and we're, we're finding this frightening enough that a lot of people who heretofore would have been donors to society and would have been quite able to manage their income uh, to cover all their costs are now themselves facing problems. So we found even this year students in education, particularly in third level education, in middle income families, they're really struggling to meet the fees and the cost of accommodation, which is extortionate. Yeah, but the free books should help, wouldn't it? I mean, that's kind of a, an indirect help, if you like, where you don't have that layout, of, at least up to junior, that, sir. That, that, that's, a, that's a significant help for, for people with secondary school students. But once they move on to third level, um, the costs are a whole different ballgame. Yeah, and, and also, let's not forget that the minimum wage has gone up by Euro 40 to 12.70, but it lags behind the actual living wage, doesn't it? It's about €2.10 behind the living wage. And it has been constantly lagging behind it. Now, we we have to welcome an increase. It's a step in the right direction. Probably not enough, but it is is welcome that it's going to do that. I know one of the areas that the society picked out is that there's there's an anomaly that that there's working loan parents uh, working on on transitionary job seekers payments. There was a big issue there with trying to support them because it's not sufficient and they haven't done anything with that, which Mm. is quite disappointing Mm. because they're a particularly vulnerable group. Yeah, it's it's alarming to hear you say that those that were once supporters or donators to SVP are now users of the service. It, It would seem that that is evidence that things are getting worse, not better. Absolutely, it's very much so. And I think COVID was a factor in it. But I think since then, rather than things improving, they seem to have disimproved because people don't have that buffer of a little bit of savings. They've all been used up. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Um, you you were constantly looking for the help from the public, undoubtedly. I mean, I was using some of your recycling banks there down in Douglas recently, such as the amount of people who are um, actually uh, giving to St. Vincent de Paul that they were they were full. It's It's kind of sad, isn't I- it? It's it's sad in one way, but it's great to see. Oh, the support is there, yeah, and and, and the support is great. Yeah, yeah. 
And, you know, without that support, we couldn't continue to do the work we do. And just, if, if you don't mind, just a quick plug, we have our, our annual flag days across Cork this Friday and Saturday. And we'll be kicking off. We were doing our car draw and all our major fundraising. That's all kicking off just at the moment. So we're now working to try and rebuild the coffers for the long winter ahead and for next year. Yeah, and it will be Obviously a tough we, one. We, we, yeah. we look forward to the, the continuing support of those across Cork that have always been great support. Good luck with that. Best of luck with it. I hope that people, I know people, will give generously. Thanks for taking the call, Jerry. as always. Thanks, Neil. Jerry Garvey Talk with the SVP. Text 0868104106. I'll dig into text after the break. Thank you. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. Uh, giving help to those who need it. Giving help to those who need it most. Uh, text to us asking me to dig into overseas aid and support. It's quite interesting, actually, what the budget has set aside uh, with regards to spending for, say, first, people fleeing war in Ukraine. Uh, the amount that's been set aside in the budget to uh, assist people fleeing war from Ukraine is uh, 2.5 billion euro next year. This year it was 2 billion and the year before that it was 1 billion. So it's gone from 1 billion to 2 to 2.5 billion. That's a lot of dosh set aside to help people to free flee war in Ukraine. 2.5 billion. On top of that the budget has also set aside 180 million 180 million euro assigned to international accommodation protection services to assist with the provision of accommodation, to assist people seeking international protection of all sorts. So 180 million has been set aside for that. Then another 34 million has been given to the Department of Justice to help with the processing and the processing times of those seeking protection. And then a bizarre statistic that I still can't get my head around, um, and it's the Department of Children, Equality, Disability, Integration and Youth, um, will have funding to create a fair and efficient support system for international protection seekers. And they've been given 1.9 billion. That's up 83% on last year's um, budget of 1 billion. So there's a lot of money sloshing around here um, with regards to the budget to help those coming into Ireland in different ways. Don't ask me to repeat them. They're eye-watering figures. On top of that then, the budget for overseas aid that we give to other countries in general to help them in the difficult times they're going through, that has been increased to 776 million euro in overseas aid. An awful lot of money um, and the reason that I was drilling into that was somebody said that, you know, this was money that should not be spent in any of these ways and should instead be spent on health and building houses. But they're the figures and they are quite high. Um, 2.5 billion this year to help people flee war in Ukraine. To answer one of the questions from earlier this morning, Anthony was wondering, uh, what's all the mystery about the man and the address of the house in the latest development in the Satchwag case? He says, I just don't get it. Well, to be honest, it's quite simple. Much of that is to do with legal reasons. While somebody is being questioned, and has not been charged. You cannot name the individual who is answering questions with Cork Gardy at the moment. And on that basis, that rolls along then to the address of a property. That also can't be divulged. Now, some of the red tops this morning do allude to the property, but for legal reasons, you want to be very careful about doing that. So that's basically it, uh, because at the moment it's it's questioning and there hasn't been a charge. Things could change um, if there is a charge, but we don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I hope that answers the point for you. Uh, interesting, Desi, um, and while I think 
some parts of his email are quite fair. Uh, I think he, he, he is quite critical in some ways, but I've edited back the email because it's quite lengthy, but he's making some interesting points. He says, in a rent and housing crisis, to try and keep landlords in the market, they give them three grand tax-free. Um, and that's all very well. But if, for instance, you live in a council house and he's suggesting that some never worked a day in their lives, you can rent out a room in your council house and get 14000 a year tax-free. On top of that, you get €12 a week more. You get the fuel allowance. That goes up. You get child benefit. That goes up. You get a double weeks at Christmas and another double weeks at the new year. You get three 150 energy credits and it also includes some people who also have additional income selling black market tobacco. So... I hope you're not suggesting that all do, but I think he's talking about maybe some that might. He says that's some package for people who never worked. Some package in the budget for them. Um, why in the budget was there not a commitment to build maybe 15,000 modular homes across the country, which seem to be working very well, and take people and children out of the hotels and the bed and breakfasts? That would free up the hotel rooms. It would bring down the cost of hotels and B&Bs and give tourists um, and the Irish people who wish to travel around the country a better choice and value. It would also free up holiday centres like Trebulgan. If the government thinks that three grand tax-free for landlords is going to keep them in the market, they're going to be very disappointed. Why didn't they give the landlords the same 14 grand tax-free? And I'm no landlord. We need smarter people in the country, running the country, and not the unqualified people in charge of departments and ultimately in charge of Ireland, says Desi. And just staying them with another text with regards to hoteliers, they're going to be very disappointed that the budget didn't cater for them. I paid €580 for one room for one night, 11 feet by 9, €580, for Garth Brooks. I paid €1,000 for two weeks in Spain, 1000 so forgive me if I don't pity the hoteliers. Uh, the Fianna Fáil government was lambasted for destroying the country in 2008. It was a worldwide issue and Fianna Fáil didn't rule the world. And now we have Sinn Féin screaming that more should be spent. The current coalition did the right thing to protect Ireland this time around and have been prudent. Let's not lose sight of the fact. The far right nuts are always accused of spreading misinformation, and they do. Pierce Doherty aired a lot of it on primetime last night. I can't understand his approach. It's just negative, negative, negative. Irish politics is on a dangerous cliff edge. Well, it is the job of the opposition to find fault. You wouldn't have an opposition if they were praising the government. Just like the follow-up on the cigarette increase in the budget, Neil, it seems every year the price goes up. Here's Doherty was on air with you on Monday and you put the question to him and he shut it down saying they will phase out smoking. I don't think Ireland uh, is the only country going on a solar run trying to reach a point where nobody buys cigarettes and smokes cigarettes anymore. I think a lot of countries, including across the water in, in the UK, certainly in England, uh, they're, they're dead set on abolishing cigarettes and stopping everybody from smoking. These politicians were elected by us. They work for us. As far as I know, they work for mandates dictated by the people. Am I missing something here? When did they stop working for us and start thinking of themselves as overlords who tell us they know the best for us? Do you know the type of people who smoke? People whose bloody nerves are at them. That's who. We're all adults. We don't need these college prep boys suddenly given power and think that they're gods. Enough is enough. They work for us. I get the risks associated with smoking, but we're all adults. Simple as that. We're living in a free country. We should make our own choices. Nobody who wants to be a politician should ever be allowed to become one. 
The ego is not what's needed to run a country. We need the most educated, smartest people in each industry in the government to lead the industry. Ireland most accomplished healthcare professionals um, and things like that. Um, actually, it's very interesting, Stephen. Thank you for that. Uh, I think you, you were forgetting about the healthcare um, implications of people who smoke and end up in hospital uh, for smoking-related illnesses and disease and cancer. Uh, Mio Martin gave every pensioner in Ireland one bag of coal a month. The €12 euro a week equates to a bag of coal at €45, euro, so that's one bag of coal a month. Thank you very much. Can't wait to vote for Sinn Féin. Let me go back to the phone lines and I'll dig back into the text in a few minutes' time. Keep them coming. Text 0868 104 106. Uh, Paddy O'Brien advocates for the elderly. He has an opportunity uh, this morning because he's uh, already gone through some of the key points uh, regarding yesterday's budget and he joins me by phone. Paddy, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Neil. Um, I was already talking to Vincent DePaul and they talk about food poverty. They talk about the cost of living in spite of the different one-off payments. They are only one-off and when they're gone, they're gone. Um, your thoughts on it, particularly for those that you would represent? Yeah, I'm on the society zone, and I'm specifically on the elderly only. Is that I did think that the weekly rate would be a little bit higher than just the, the, the 12 euro. But I went along with the last 24 hours, elderly people. And not just not get my own view on it, but you just listen to people from the city and the county. And um, quite honestly, so far, it's kind of a favourable reaction. And what definitely is a help, I know your people are saying when it's gone, it's gone. What it definitely helped for the, the electricity sum in the new year, in January, February, and March, uh, 150 euro a month, total 450. Mm-hmm. And then you have the, the, the free fuel. Uh, the elder, uh, many elderly people then spend more money, regrettably, on fuel than on, on food. So this lump sum will definitely will be a big hub for, for the free fuel. Yeah, but the 12 euro, it's an interesting text there. He's saying it's a bag of coal a month is all you're getting, the equivalent of. Not even that. Not even that. I mean, a, bag, a big bag. Uh, I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, a bag of coal. Coal, is, coal has become very, very expen- expensive today. Very expensive, and the thing is that um, um, and many of the elderly people that I deal with who are living in damp, cold houses, and uh, they burn an awful lot of coal. And they're, as I said, you have three hundred uh, euro uh, lump sum, and then there's another living alone allowance as well that they will get some two hundred euro lump on that. Yeah, uh, yeah. And those people are the people living. Um, but what, what I would say to Seamus there is that the people who um, I'm always concerned about principally are elderly people who live alone and have no pension other than the social welfare pension. So what are, they're on about €265 Euro a week, are they, Paddy? That's the minimum. That, in, in, that's not even 14 grand a year to live on. Yeah. How can somebody live on that? But it's very difficult. And I've been saying this, I've been saying this on your programme, and like for a long time that elderly people I find it very difficult to exist on the current situation uh, difficult for them to mm. uh, have if they haven't got a second pension that's what they have to live on that's it yeah, yeah. That, that, that's just it so I mean people are finding it hard to exist on the current uh, payment and people are finding it hard to uh, have adequate food for the week that's the reality of the so we're uh, talking now about food poverty where people are just cutting back when they need it most particularly in the winter if you're elderly and that's it and you see if I notice people now doing their shopping it means them every every, every, lot of elderly are cutting down on their shopping even up to now are cutting down on their shopping they're not 
buying as much as they used to. Why? Because they realise there are big bills, big bills coming down the road, and um, they're try- trying to save money. So what do they do? They cut the pension. I said so they cut, they cut the food <laughs> to be able to make sure that they have enough coal it, or yeah, the electricity. That's, that's, and that's, yeah, oh, that's it. That's it. I mean, for, for instance, for instance, I've said this in your program as well um, that. I know people go to bed early yeah. at this stage. Yeah. They think they're wasting, they think they're saving, they're saving money and that their bills will be high. What, what elderly people are dreading today are the enormous bills they're going to get for the future. Enormous bills. That's what, that's what, what they are dreading. Mm. And um, the, the, the free fuel, the lump sum, it, it, I mean, it would be wrong of us to say... Um, it's wrong. The point of thing is that these. Well, if you total, if you put the fuel allowance and the living alone allowance, that's five hundred. If you put the three energy credits, it brings it up to just under a thousand. Um, so a pensioner living alone, availing of those, is probably about nine hundred and fifty euro better off a year, plus right. the twelve plus, euro weekly increase in pension. Plus, has a, you know, the pension. Plus, Nilin has the double week of Christmas and the double. Uh, That's week right. In, yeah. in, in, so in, it uh, could be it could be closer to I don't know fifteen hundred maybe um, a year kind of thing. I mean, surely yeah, yeah, around that. But what I was disappointed with the with the, with the uh, free fuel scheme. I, I've been calling for a long, long time that the fuel, fuel scheme is a wonderful scheme, but I think the duration should be extended. This duration should be extended. Uh, start finished. early or finish later, kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. But no, no, it should be extended. Yeah, start, start earlier and finish later. This, this year now it starts, I think, on the 5th of September. I think it finishes in April. Or the end of September, it finishes on the 5th of April for a duration of 88, for 28 weeks. Heat is vital. Heat is very important. The medical profession has said over and over again if elderly people have a choice to make between heating and food, take the heating. As heating is vital, so I would, I would, I mean, I would love if the uh, duration was extended, number one, and then if the weekly payment was in, increased. But you know, just just get away from. I think I read in one of the papers this morning, and this is not specifically attached, uh, affecting the elderly. Is that um, there are a lot of elderly people who want fit to drive regrettably, and you know. They have now been included in the free fuel scheme. I think that, not the free fuel scheme, please, the uh, free travel scheme. Mm. And I think that's absolutely wonderful that there are people out there in their 40s, 50s, and 60s that cannot, um, cannot drive a car mm. due to medical problems. Mm. And now they're going to be getting qualified for the free travel. And a lot of people mightn't. Know of this because it just got very, I didn't, very I didn't small. Know about it. I didn't know yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. And, and that's how, that's a terminology that if there are people there uh, unmedically fit to uh, drive, they can now qualify for the free travel. So people should pass that word around to people. For a person who may have been sitting in the bus in the town or up the Dublin in the train, and that's it. You it's know? just not people of retirement age. There are others no, no, who no, also no, can no, qualify. Because they, I mean, they are, are, are currently, they have the um, free travel, but they, this is going to include a, a, a okay. large numbers of people. And I mean, I, I, I also deal with people sort of in their 40s, 50s, 60s, a little bit sad, depressed themselves, and they're unmedically fit. They can't get out, they can't drive, they couldn't be allowed to drive. But this fact now okay. that we can get a free travel if we're not, without living into the city, if we own the country, uh, bus into Cork or up to Dublin, 
and people should spread the word to anyone they know in that category, of course, on, on medicine and unfortunately. And what would you say to elderly people who are struggling, in spite of the different increases that they will get in the budget? Um, you know, are you saying they should reach out to Vincent de Paul? Should they reach out well, to Penny Dinners, things like that? Yeah, well, I would, but, well, yeah, but one thing with elderly people, and I realise the great work being done by Katrina, I don't do wonderful what she's doing. And uh, every time I hear her name comes into conversation, I say, what would hundreds of people, 1,200 people benefit from half a meal every day? What would they do only for Katrina? Yeah. But then regretfully, the other end, the other end, you know yourself, elderly people are very independent. Elderly people are very slow to avail of charitable uh, aid. Mm-hmm. Very, 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 proud, very, very yeah, slow. Yeah, yeah. So what I would say to elderly people is this. Buy adequate food. Make sure you have enough of food. I mean, people at this moment are concentrating too much on putting money aside for DSB. I'm saying, look after yourself. Because the, the, the government, the government has said that nobody will ever be disconnected. And that was the main issue with elderly people at this point in cut time. Off, yeah, no money. Make sure you have enough to eat. Make sure you have adequate heat, hot nourishing food, and make sure you have plenty of, plenty of heating. With plenty of food, a person has a decent quality of life. And I would say then, I, I would say, and I was speaking to them about the elderly. And um, I find that elderly, that they get, they worry an awful lot about things that will concern themselves quite, quite honestly. You know, and I think that um, they always worry about what's what's going to happen, what's going to happen in years' time, what's going to happen. Like, I know people at the moment are going into their funeral expenses. That's the situation to pay bills. When people want money saved for their funeral, and that's what he said to say that. Isn't it? But and and like, to answer your question, there, let me then repeat myself. So elderly people, to your program this morning. Keep yourself warm. Plenty, plenty of adequate food, and. Um, Plenty of heating. Mm. Don't don't deny yourself to the those. basics. Yeah, the basics that we should be taken for granted that people yeah, are exactly yeah, worrying yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We, we all take food for granted. There are are people there who would be um, who just deny themselves a decent food during the week and think they're, they're saving they're saving money. But mm-hmm. I'm saying, and I repeat, what said the government has said that no, nobody they have issued a warning to the ESP and all the other servers that you cannot you cannot dis- disconnect a person for not paying uh, the, the, the monthly bill whatever, or whatever that, or the monthly bill yeah. um, they, they won't be uh, disconnected Good points, good words of advice Thanks as always Paddy, good to catch up okay, Appreciate please, it, Paddy you. O'Brien trying to advocate the positive aspects of it but also saying that there still are issues that people will need to, uh, you know, tighten their belts regarding particularly the elderly. Um, back to the phone lines we go actually I know that Mike's been waiting for far too long so Mike, good morning uh, good morning, Niall. Um, well, they, they they could have put up fuel again. There was another excise yeah. hike, which think, they've yeah, yeah. parked until next year. Yeah, so no. that, that's something, no? No, it doesn't need the pain for motorists, I mean, at the moment. And you see, what, what they're missing, the point here is that fuel, motor transport fuel is the biggest catalyst for cost of living and inflation. Like, everything goes to the shop, everything goes to the factories, everything is all on based on fuel costs, delivery, exactly, for example. So, look, overall, there were some good things came out of this. Yeah, but in, was, in, I know Madonna Harbour on the point that inflation has dropped by a couple of percent at least, but and it's destined yeah. to drop even more, but prices haven't come down. Is that, you're saying, no. because it's, is it greed or is it fuel? It's a board, it's a board, to be honest. I think it's board. 
and it's, it's, a, it's a huge problem going forward and just the cost that you outlaid there just a few minutes back about what we're paying for overseas is absolutely off the wall absolutely it's not. big money isn't our it when you look at it our economy Neil our economy can't sustain that type of expenditure it's just absolutely not it's off the wall and this is why we are paying it's the price of the Irish people and all the cost we are paying you know, because we're trying to facilitate outside people from outside. The two billion all, that's all, been all set aside for Ukraine, yeah, or the uh, hundreds of millions absolutely. for protection yeah. services. Absolutely not. So that's the problem we have. Like you know, that expenditure we can. Our economy is way too small for that kind of expenditure. Can't. That's not sustainable. Yeah, but you don't want to be seen out of kilter with the rest of Europe or the rest of the world yeah, but either. Within, you see, no, but within, within reason, within reason, you got to cut your cloth to measure. But this is exorbitant, exorbitant expenditure. Which our economy is just not is too small to take that kind of to deal with that kind of thing. Yeah, it's something in the region. If you if you add the two and a half billion this year for the war in Ukraine to the two billion the year before and the one year that yeah. comes in at six uh, comes in at uh, six and a half billion in three calendar years. Yeah, that's nuts. That's, that's absolutely absolutely nuts, Neil. In the real world, we can't sustain that. You think we shouldn't right. be helping? Is it? Well, within reason, but I mean that's completely exorbitant expenditure. Soft scale completely. Yeah. Um, the uh, International Accommodation Protection Service find places for people to live. That's going to be another 180 million. There'll be 776 million in overseas aid, 34 million to speed up the processing of uh, asylum seekers. And, and a bizarre figure that I, I can't get my head around for the Department of Children just under 2 billion. Uh, to create a fair and efficient support system for international protection seekers, it's, it's quite vague. It's yeah, illogical, absolutely not. Okay, it's absolutely. So, obvious. what would you do? You you would you would cancel all of that, is it? Well, but no. But you mean you can you can only pay out so much at the end of the day. You can only pay out so much. Like we have budgets, we have constraints. This is completely off scale. This kind of expenditure. So, what's the story with fuel then? Um, it could be. I mean, it has gone up. It, it probably will go up in the new year. Um, we need to reduce excise. There's too much excise on fuel. That is the problem. What is the excise on fuel? It's crazy. I think we're paying about one oh six per liter. So, of every liter, one oh six is excise. Yeah, that's crazy stuff. No, the excise is another word for government tax. Absolutely. Yeah. Are you in the Are you in the transport game? No, 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 no. I'm just an ordinary walker, PA walker. I'm going to walk every day. Yeah, but, to walk. Yeah. Not a choice. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, from the point of view of being a motorist, you're saying? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Okay. Appreciate your call. So whatever Thank benefits you. we got yesterday as PA walkers, that'd be wiped out with the. Okay. Well, the tax, the tax cut. Just to, to mention that, say if you looked at a married couple with two children um, yeah. on a single income of sixty-five grand, they'd be just a thousand euro better off. Um, they'll also get the double payment of child benefit on those two kids, and they'll get the five hundred and fifty worth of electricity credit. So it's it's near enough on an average basis, two grand a year better off. No, anything's welcome. Anything's welcome, especially for families. You know, anything that families gain from is, is good. I, I, I acknowledge that. It's good. But on the flip side, they're taking one hand. Give me one hand and take note the other hand. Okay. With, oh. order, with tax and tools. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Text 0868 How ironic the reduction of the USE will mean that a person on 25 grand a year will be better off by a tenner per year um, or 19 cent per week. When we see our overpaid politicians get 10 cent per week of a rise. When will that happen? No, it won't. One of your listeners mentioned that the USC was a temporary fix. Michael Noonan stated that for year one and two max. 
But here we are, all these years later, still being screwed by the government for the universal social charge. My question is, what are our fat cat union leaders doing about all this? Their silence is always deafening. In my opinion, there's only one union in the country, and that's the farmers. And more power to them, says Mike in Mallow. Text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. There's only a bit of breaking news there this morning as we see in Cork Bio that a part of the main street in Ballincollig has been sealed off for a forensic investigation after an alleged assault, assault in the early hours of the morning. Uh, it's in the West End area of the town, been taped off by Gardaí. Witnesses uh, noticed bloody clothes close to the scene at six o'clock this morning. And Gardaí are currently at the scene of an alleged assault that occurred in the early hours of this morning. And that's from uh, today's uh, breaking news on uh, Cork Bio. Serious assault in Ballincollig and Gardaí seal off an area around one of the bus shelters, actually. And that's the photograph that they have. Uh, be aware of traffic issues ongoing this morning. Of that, you can be sure. I mean, it took me nearly an hour. It just took me over just under one hour uh, to get from Douglas to Corraheen this morning. Um, another one, I beat him, actually. It took him 45 minutes, but it was a lot less travelled distance. 45 minutes to get from the Commons Inn to Heineken. Madness this morning. Not a guard in sight to direct traffic. I'd be seriously worried about a fire brigade this morning because there wouldn't have been a chance of them getting up from the Glen or to the Glen station with the traffic the way it was. Um, I'm not sure if you'd agree with me, Neil, but my opinion, and the only way we will ever fix the health system and healthcare in this country is by having a one-tier system. Uh, that means two things. Firstly, it's going to cost more in taxes. And yes, we will have to buy out the private hospitals and not bring down the wages of the public sector, but bring them up to the same level that's paid in the private sector. I'll tell you why this is the only way we'll ever fix this problem. We have politicians who can afford private health insurance. In fact, and I may be wrong, but I think health insurance is one of the perks of their job. If every single person in this country was treated equally, publicly, you would see how quickly what we would do with regards to the public waiting lists. They would all be fixed in a decade. Thank you for that text. Keep in common. Text 0868-104-106. So I've covered an awful lot of ground this morning with regards to it. Um, and, you know, budgets are like that. They try and give a little to as many as possible across the board. It's $14 billion, uh, they had to spend in total. Now, you can take a good chunk of that out with regards to um, International Protection Order, asylum seekers, refugees and overseas aid. But what's left of it then went into cost of living payments and income tax and social welfare and pensions. Uh, housing changes, lot to do with children and, and childcare. I think the free meals is good. The um, free school books up to junior cert is, is very, very good. Obviously, you got the old reliables being hit and stuff like that um, and issues like that. Uh, the fags go up, drink doesn't. Minimum wage goes up by euro 40 to 12.70 an hour, still way behind the living wage. But if I could just tone in briefly, actually, with Rebecca O'Reardon from Families Unite for Services and Support, which really uh, is all about access uh, to people with disabilities. I wonder, was there much in it for them? Rebecca, good morning. Good morning. Um, thanks a million for having me on. Your um, thoughts? I suppose, well, you know, we would welcome that the um, the means test that there was an increase, but I would say that it would be welcome as a starting point. Um, I think that, you know, there are so many thousands of unpaid carers in this country providing 24-7 round-the-clock care to family members, um, and they're just completely forgotten about. Um, for for parent carers um, who would be you know not covered who wouldn't be getting the the twelve euro increase for example, um, they're getting an extra one euro fifty a week. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
one euro fifty a week, and and we are a week out from an all-out strike in children's disability services. And will that, 17, will, if that, if there is a strike, when will it happen, and why would it happen? What would it involve? So on the on the seventeenth of October, um, it will be an an, an all-out indefinite strike um, from uh, section thirty-nine organisations. Um, so, so it would hugely affect Cork, for example. But who'd go you on know, strike is what I'm asking, Rebecca. Who would actually so stop work? In a, places like Enable Ireland, Coaction, um, you know, the Irish Wheelchair Association, who are providing, you know, these vital services to so many people, both children and adults. Um, but I suppose, like, we, we would be an organisation that would mainly kind of support, we would support children. Um, so, like, we would be a parent advocacy group. Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously, one euro fifty a week when when things are are literally we're we're on the brink of an all out strike. There is nobody coming to the table. The government keep telling us, "Oh, it's not about money. We just can't recruit staff." However, how can we believe that they that that that's the case when the staff are turning around and saying they're getting ten? The reason that they're striking is because people, somebody working in Enable Ireland versus somebody working for the HSE is currently being paid 10% less mm. for mm. doing the exact same job. Mm. Mm. So why would... Why and would, that could be you know, three, four grand a year of a difference or maybe even more. Absolutely. It's, it's a significant... They're, they're, you know, they've raised again and again that they have concerns around the current safety of the service. Um, there's, there's difficulties with clinical governance. They're raising the flag over and over and over again. And frankly, they're just... We're not being listened to. Parents are not being listened to. Staff members are not being listened to. We're being told with the one hand, oh, there's plenty of money. You know, we're one of the richest countries. It's no problem at all. We, you know, we just can't get the staff. And yet here we have a cohort of very dedicated staff who have come to to work through the absolute turmoil of the last two or three years with this new rollout of progressing disabilities and they're being told, oh, get on with it. It's not good enough. Okay. What What does it mean, this budget, say, for instance, to a parent is, who is the full-time carer of a child at home? Um, well, you'll get an extra... There is a change to... It depends on the disability of the child. Um, so if you're, for example, you might be... If you were caring for a child who wasn't entitled to the incapacitated child tax credit um, and you weren't entitled to carer's allowance due to the means test then you will have an extra €1.50 a week. Um, if you are entitled to carer's allowance and you're getting the full rate, then you'll have an extra €12 Euros from next year. That's the welfare increase that also That's comes into place at €12 Euro per week. Yeah, They did yeah. talk about increasing uh, residential places, didn't they? And day places for, um, you know, 1,400 day places for... I suppose this would be maybe adults. Would it be? See, it's it's a, it's a difficult one because who come out of secondary school or come out of school and still need help. The, the difficulty is we are we are in a very reactive stage with disability services. At the current in the current way um, that we operate disability services in this country, children like you know early intervention doesn't exist. So half of these services are only kicking in when people get to adulthood. And so we're basically shooting ourselves in the foot because more and more children are leaving school without the necessary support and skills to live an independent life. And Mm. everybody, you know, 
Inclusion Ireland have been very, very clear about this, that, you know, every person should be able to have the, you know, should be supported to live independently if that is what they wish. When they, when they, when they, when they turn 18 kind of thing, that they shouldn't just be left to fend, because it all changes at 18, doesn't it? It does. And in fairness, it, it doesn't, we have a huge amount of elderly carers caring for people with complex disabilities and intellectual disabilities. And at the moment, we have a situation where one of those um, elderly parents must die or be in crisis before the state might step in. Yeah. And that, that's a horrendous... So then you ha- what you have then is you have somebody, you know, with a complex disability or with an intellectual disability or both, and you're waiting until their whole... Everything that they've known has fallen away, and then you'll step in. Like... That's inhumane. That's 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 just barbaric treatment of any But, it, but if you look at some of the, the the main increases, they also include people who maybe look after a loved one in the home with uh, you know complex issues because they would get the electri- electricity credits of four hundred and fifty. They would get perhaps the double month child benefit now, the second one in January. They would get the four hundred working perhaps four hundred euro working family payment lump sum. There also would be a four hundred euro payment to those in receipt of carer support grants, for instance, and those in receipt of a disability allowance. You know, so it kind of adds up, doesn't it? I I mean, I suppose you could think that it, it might seem like it does on the surface, but I suppose, you know, the government themselves, they were the ones who calculated what the annual cost of, the annual average cost of a disability to a person or family. What's that figure? it's between 9,000 and 12,500 a year. Well, what does so it mean, the average cost to a person just to uh, live their life? Is it to pay just their to bills? Just to live their life. Just, it's, it's, not, it's, not for, it's not for bills, it's not for rent, it's not for anything. That, that figure is literally just for the cost of going and getting your medication, the cost of going to the doctor, the cost of getting any assistive tech you need or any equipment. Because the thing is, like... The thing that a lot of people don't realise is that if you have, when you have a person with a disability, every single little thing is more expensive. Yeah. You have to get special shoes with, you know, that, that zip the whole way around so that they can fit foot splints. You have to, you know, the you have to pay extra for a car that's accessible yeah. because it's not, you know, it's not... Um, it that's before be you're looking one. at food, rent and bills. It's, as you said yourself already this morning, it's just the, the cost of simply being disabled. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And like the even in terms of housing adaptations and things like that, like they had a real chance there to make some changes to the housing adaptation grant, which is current thirty thousand euros. And even at that it's a it's a highly means tested um it's highly means tested payment. If you have like for example, if you ha- if you had a child in the morning um who was going to be a full time wheelchair user and you needed to adapt your property you know, if you met the means criteria, then you would be given thirty thousand euros towards that, and that wouldn't that wouldn't touch the size mm-hmm. of of the things that your house would need. Adapting. The adaptation of a house, and if you were a men's means test and it didn't meet it, you were in big trouble then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, about a time for now, Rebecca. But thank you for your contribution, Rebecca O'Riordan. Take up the phone, lads. So eight one eight one zero four one zero six. The Neil Prenderville.
Neil Show, Red FM. And before we finish this morning, somebody's going to win a daily prize of an overnight stay for four people, including dinner at the Maldron Hotel on the South Mall. We're giving those away each and every day this week. Lots of texts. You guys are on fire this morning, particularly after the budget announcement. Sure, Sinn Féin don't want us to be homeowners, you see. Wouldn't trust them opening an envelope. It's all just guff. Yesterday, Pascal Donoghue in his speech said, that starts with making sure Ireland is one of the best places on earth in which to be a child. Uh, Texture says, really? The best place? Kids on waiting lists, kids homeless, kids operation debacle, kids needing support, kids needing respite. What a statement to make. And that's just for starters. Uh, Four billion to Ukraine. Um, I don't know that it's four billion. I gave out some of the numbers already this morning. It probably is close enough to four billion if you look at um, the two and a half billion to Ukraine to help people flee war. Then there are other numbers, um, which are hundreds of millions and a million, million and a half here and there for international protection orders. So if you total everything together and even throw in the 760 million for overseas aid, it's probably even higher than the, the 4 billion that our texter mentions here. Um, what, what are people suggesting? That all of that aid should stop, that the borders should close and that none of that money should be spent and it should be instead tunneled and funneled into uh, housing or healthcare or welfare payments or, you know, helping people pay less tax. Text 0868104106. If Michael McGrath had dropped the price of diesel and petrol by, say, 10 cent, he'd actually have made a difference to most people. The fat cats running the oil companies make loads of money, billions in profits. Uh, the Irish people shouldn't be lining their pockets unnecessarily. Don't forget that well, well over a euro of every litre that you're putting in your car, whether it's petrol or diesel, well over a euro of that is excise. It's state tax. The free book scheme does not include electric ele- electronic tablets. Well, maybe next time. But it's certainly free books up to junior cycle. And also there's a change. Children's allowance will be paid to anybody in secondary school at the age of 18, which means that right up to before their 19th birthday. So that's got to be a good uh, change as well. Just on your query as to why prices aren't coming down when inflation has dropped from 8% to 5%, inflation is a measure of how quickly prices are rising. So they were rising at 8% per year. Now they're rising at only 5% per year. They won't come down on that basis. I understand what you're saying. They will continue to rise, Paddy, but they'll rise at a slower rate. I understand it now. Thank you. Yeah, but the so-called far-right nuts that people speak about and brainwashing people have never been in power. So let's keep voting Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael and put in an extra 24 of them and a €1,200 pay rise. There's some vacuum to be filled in the next general election. It will be interesting. I think Bobby is suggesting that Sinn Féin are worth a punt just to see. Uh, They're too busy giving taxpayers money to the people from other countries, you see. Do they really think we are okay with them doing that? Has there been a single euro given to animal charities who are literally on their knees? Um, And there's many more. I know people who look for food from St. Vincent de Paul and when they get it, it's a lot of yogurt, mint, mince and sauces and they're nearly all out of date. And these are genuine Irish people that really need it. We also see the wrong people getting it where we live. Well, there may be the wrong people getting it, but I really and truly believe, hand on heart, that there is no charity, including the reputable services of the St. Vincent de Paul, 
are giving out food products that are nearly out of date. I mean, either they're in date or they're not. If they're nearly out of date, they're in date, so use them. So billions are being spent on refugees coming here while our services are falling apart. Irish taxes should be spent on services for the Irish people who pay for them. End of story. We're sick of our money being wasted by gangsters ruining our country. Do you want me to put that question to Michael McGrath? I mean, do you want me to sum it up by saying we need to stop paying overseas aid full stop? I did it before when I put the same question to Simon Coveney and he nearly ate the head off me. And that was at the start of the Ukraine war. And now we see the one billion, one and a half billion, two and a half billion per year that's being spent. Do you want me to say to him uh, that you guys out there, far too many of you are unhappy with that? Or are there people who feel that it should be spent? Text 0868104106 and we'll see what you respond to between now and a quarter to midday. Can I also say, I hope in a few minutes time to get a phone line in to Tony Hadley from Spandau Ballet because he is playing uh, the Jazz Festival. He plays Cork City Hall on the 28th of October, part of the Guinness Cork Jazz Festival. And we all know of the success of Spandau Ballet. 25 albums, 23 hits, part of the big early 1980s movement called the New Romantics, of which I was a huge fan. So hopefully that will happen also. Uh, Laura, good morning. Good morning, Daniel. How are you? Good call. Just ahead of the ad break. So let me know what you have to say. Tell me about... Are you, thank you um, for texting, but it's better to chat. Go ahead. Thank you very much indeed. And just to say there that I was listening to someone there will go saying that they don't put off the ESP. Paddy O'Brien, um, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. And I was in my daughter's house there going back about three months ago and I answered the door because she wasn't well at the time because she was in the hospital and she, we had to go there and look after her and the kids. And... Um, he said, I'm here to disconnect her. I said, he saw the kids running around. She has six babies, six young kids. And I said, really? I said, he said, I don't want to do this. He said, this is an awful job for me. He said, our bill was 700. 700 said, euro, is that what you said? Yes, yes. Okay. And heating and trying to, trying to get their uniforms dry and all that, you know in the dryer and um, he said this is, I just this is an awful job for me he said so she was after getting her children's allowance which she had to even start in August there now to get things for Christmas and clothes for them and um, he, said, he said look you would have to make an agreement to just ring them so she rang them and she had to give them 350 euros before the man would leave and he said you know actually I wouldn't have cut it off he said not we're looking at all them kids in the hall there he said I wouldn't have actually... Even though he was instructed to go and do it, he said he hadn't the heart to yes. do it. Yes, exactly. 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 And we were standing there and she was crying in the kitchen and she was saying, what am I going to do, ma'am? What am I going to do? I said, look, we will trying to help our best. We do try to help our best with her because the price of food, the fridge is like a front door. Do you know what I mean? When the kids going to come in from school, like, do you know, the dinners, the pots are just unbelievable size of the pots, do you know, to keep them going. And I, do you know... It's five kids and she's rearing them and looking after them on her own. Six. Six. Yes. Six. Six, six yes. Good and God almighty, imagine the food bill there. Exactly. Um, unbelievable. And like, you're talking about, like, where the the hoops the, the, you know the, the, the hoops that you'd buy you know, to boil in Aldi's were only 13 cent before now they're gone up to 69 cent 69 cent so can no, they or can't they turn you off I, I thought that there was an undertaking that you oh, can't yes. be cut oh, off yes, for arrears standing at the front door with his with his tool in his hand to turn it off 
I answered the front door and we were gobsmacked. Yes. Yeah. That's the truth. Yeah. That's the truth. But they made, they made pre, like, but they must have made lots of attempts before they came to disconnect. No, no, no. No, no. That's the first time she ever, ever happened there. Over the bad winter we had and the, the bill went so high, you know, with the frost, we did have very bad winter. And everything, you know, and the heating was on constantly for the kids. The washing is just unbelievable. Do you know yeah. what she has to do? I, I did, I did read there, because when you were coming on, I just Googled quickly that there was a ban on energy companies cutting off families in arrears up to March 31st of this year. And, and mm-hmm. after that then, of course, the ban got lifted. Don't know if it was ever put back in place, but it was extended no, to March 31st. I was at the front door. I answered the front door, Neil, and I wouldn't lie. No, I know. I, I mean, oh, t- listen, really? if you can yeah. be cut off, it's important to know that. But because yeah, th- what they're saying man. is you'd only be cut off as a last resort. No, she got no warning or anything. Like She was trying to pay as much as she could. And when it went up to seven, then when the other bill clashed in with it, he, like, she just had to phone him in and take, look, pay 350, which was gone over chins around straight away. Do you know what I mean? Like, and So that's less food. Much. That's cutting back yeah, on all of the exactly. essentials just exactly. to pay the, a portion of the bill. Yes, and like her messages, like you're talking about, like, you know, three... Three fifty a week, like with the food and you know outside trying to dress them. Totally, because you know, small kids moment. grow out of clothes very quickly. Does she avail exactly. of any services that help? No, 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 no. Now the schools are very good to her. I have to say that, like they are very good to her. You know, they are very good in a way. Like I have to say. I can't say very much. I wouldn't. I mean, I feel I for the poor misfortune who sent around to do the cutting off. It nearly broke he his heart knocking on the door. Got smacked. He said, "You know something? I he, his man would have actually given up his job." I said, "When he saw the kids, he said, I am not cutting you off.' He said, I am not.' You know, on two special needs, like he said, I'm not cutting you off.' He said, he said, just trying to make some deal with them. He was he went away distraught. I know. He I said, know. this is such a job that's sending me out to do. He said. Yeah. Did she ever talk to Mabs? You know, the money advice budgeting service. They can, they oh, can she, intervene. She's a great manager. I have to say. I know she's, she's doing her best. Crippling her. Yeah. Food is crippling her, and the bills are crippling her. All right. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Crippling her. That's a real world like, the story. And unbelievable. Like, I mean, like from thirteen euros, um, the hoops, the hoops, you know, you buy for the kids, you know, and all that and spaghetti. Like from thirteen cent to sixty-nine cent, all that. Like, and the price of the mints and everything all gone up. And she feeds them all the best, and I have to say that. Do you know what I mean? She's a fantastic mother. You know what I mean? But she's yeah. just like. The food is crippling, crippling, like, and, like, like her fridge could be overflowing today, give it two days. This, you know, she's back out there getting more food, you know what I mean? Like, It's an awful worry and a struggle for The lunch, like, you know, some schools do get free, but some schools don't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just well, unbelievable. Yes, so they, yes, they are budget, still yeah. cutting off people. Like, do you know okay, what I mean? Like, okay, yeah. They are. No, they are. You know, they are. They do say that it's it's a last resort, that they do try and contact a number of occasions, and if nothing is happening, it is. I mean, it's, how it's can you get clothes drying this weather? And the, 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 the summer we had, oh, sure and, yeah. you know, constantly drying, and like, you know, children with bad chest, you can't hang them off the reds. You have to throw them in the dryer. Your bill is going well. And you're upset you as know. a mother, of course, witnessing this. I the am struggles. because, you know, I, I go into deals there now and I pick up, like, say, five packets of tubes in a packet for 150 Yeah. yeah. Do you know? Yeah. Do you get the boxes of them then, like, say, two for 250 Do you know? 
you all them little things help her. So like I have to try and fill a bag, me and my husband every week to you know to help her out with all these things. And we're proud to do it, and we're, we're fighting hard to I do know, it as pensioners. Like, but we still do it for our grandchildren. Do you know, know what I mean? I like, but the food, like, is just getting higher and higher. You know what I mean? Like, unbelievable. Like, oh, I imagine there are other people listening to this. Down. Yeah, no, they're not going down. It's a, it is a and real life example. Yeah. yeah, sorry, it's no. not helping her either. Driving them to school, you know, with the prices of the diesel and everything. Like, you know, as she's so protective over them. Like, do you know what I mean? Like. It's just unbearable, like, you know, to see what our own are going through at the moment, like, everything... You know, it seems very unfair. It does when you hear a story like it, that. You see so much being exactly. given to some, and then and nothing in the face. Yeah. He was just gobsmacked, and he was very hurt. All right. and he was so he was so gentle, and you know, too hard. Like you know what I mean? He was. I have to say, you know, you know. So I just said, bring in and let you know, Neil. Anyway, very thank kind, you very much. Thanks, for Laura. Thank I bet you so people much. will be moved to hear that story, and perhaps there are others like it. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. We'll come back to this and lots more besides after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's something else. Tony Hadley. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm good. You okay? your, your finest work, in my opinion, was, to cut a long yeah. story short, it really was. It's I, I th- I, in a way, I think you're right. I mean, it, it's 43 years ago. Can you be- I haven't heard that the the original single version for uh, a long time. I mean, I don't I don't go around listening to my own records. Well, you should. I, I mean, because well, that that it era, was a good one. Yeah, 1980, because it was you know it created that second wave, didn't it? First wave Beatles, Rolling Stones. Second wave, yeah. the New Romantics. Are you comfortable with that? Categorization, new romantics. Yeah, they just call me the old romantic now. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'd, I'd never had a, I never had a problem with it. I mean, you've got to hang. It, it's good to be kind of in a way pigeonholed in a in a decade, and we were the new romantics along with the you know Culture Club, Duran, Depeche, and uh, Human League, and and it was it was a good era for music. It was a massive sea change though that decade. It really was, but. Um, no, really proud. I mean, the the fact is, is that Carl Long Story Short went to number five in the UK, which was incredible. I mean, in those days, if it had gone top fifty, we would have been really happy. Yeah, yeah. But to go top five was amazing. So uh, we we were very lucky, and we created a new sound along with all the other wonderful. Yeah, and for stars. those of us that were there in the because we we'd come from punk, so it was post punk, and the jam were doing their yeah. thing. Tears of Fears came on, Flock of Seagulls, Human League, OMD, ABC, Visage, Depeche, Japan, Simple Minds, Heaven 17 and you. Out of where did this come, this sea change of music, this movement? Wow, that's a difficult one. Well, I mean, punk was brilliant. Let, let me tell you, punk was absolutely amazing. Uh, I loved, you know, Pistols, Clash, Generation X, or Buzzcocks. Um, if you look at these sort of early 70s you had funny enough i was just listening to uh, virginia plain by roxy and very synth orientated then it sort of went into punk and then you had people like bowie and lou reed and iggy pop go to berlin 
Uh, and there's always been an underground sort of movement over there. And th there were bands like Kraftwerk and La Düsseldorf coming out of Germany, which was a big influence really on sort of bands like ourselves. But then crucially, so there's like kind of little hybrid connections. And then crucially, Ultravox with John Fox before Midge, Midge joined. Yeah. Uh, Systems of Romance for me is one of the best albums on the planet. And that was literally, I remember going to see uh, uh, Ultravox with John Fox supporting Eddie and the Hot Rods at the Rainbow. And people were going, what? What's this kind of music? All this synthy stuff kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I thought it was amazing. And, and so literally, punk was the sort of bridge between the sort of 70s rock scene and all that sort of stuff. And then with the new Romos and... Um, I, that's my explanation and I'm sticking And it's a good one. Was any of it stuck in the era, though, unemployment, disharmony, you know, strikes, uh, you know, the issues going on socially? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, as a kid, you know, I was born in 1960, so I was only born 15 years after the Second World War, played on bomb sites and all that sort of stuff. And then come the early 70s, you know, the winter of discontent and everything, the, you know, sort of electricity problems, gas problems. I mean, it was a real... We we really were in a terrible, terrible state. Bit like now, I mean. Was, Bit like now. Yeah, um, honestly, I, I oh, don't even go there. Uh, but post-punk, I mean, punk was great. It was really good. It was really, I think, healthy. But then there was a, sort of a sense of optimism. And I, I think with that we felt that we were going to change economically we felt that the world was going to change mm. certainly with uh, you know the breaking down of the berlin war and stuff like that um the 80s decade was quite sort of economic and social sea change for a lot of people and um, i was i'm proud to be a part of it i think it was the best decade for music but i guess we all say that about the one where we're kind of <laughs> you know influenced most in our in our teens or our early 20s what i mean so so 25 albums followed 23 hit singles. Hard to pick out the highest point of the Spandau career, possibly Live Aid 85, possibly a world tour, breaking into America, things like that? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 without doubt, I mean, everybody was at Live Aid. Funny enough, I'm, I'm, I'm off to Iceland this weekend, as you do, not, <laughs> not to buy some prawns, frozen prawns, but <laughs> and to Reykjavik with uh, Midger and uh, Nick Kershaw. And all three of us were at Live Aid. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we've been great pals for years. It's going to be great fun. But if you were at Live Aid, that was a pretty defining moment. I'm not a terribly nostalgic person, but, you know, Band-Aid, I didn't think Band-Aid would lead to Live Aid, and then Live Aid would lead to Mandela and, yeah. and all the other incredible things that happened. And I think for the first time in music, um, you know, here were a bunch of, you know, puffy pop stars who actually made a bit of made a change. Made a difference, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Made a bit of a change, yeah. You, you, had, you had one reformation some time ago. Um, it, couldn't, it couldn't happen without you, nor the Kemps and the rest of the band, but could it happen, though, you know? What, the Live Aid thing? No, Spandau. Oh, Spandau. No, I always, I've always said it's the sum of the parts. You know, quite a good Genesis uh, song, but it, it's always down to the sum of the parts. I mean, what made the Spandau sound, you know, undeniably, yeah, okay, my voice is, is very distinct. I can't get away from being Tony Hadley. But, you know, just listening to that record there, the way Martin played bass, John the drums, Gary with his synth and guitars, Steve with his percussion and guitar, it, there, there was a real, um, it, it's a coming together. We weren't the best, I wasn't the best singer, we weren't the best musicians, 
But the fact that we were all together at the same time creating this sound made us unique. And, and that's what it, it's all about. I mean, the, there are a million musicians and singers who can out-sing me and out-perform any of the guys in the band. But it, it's the... It's, it's the coming together at the right time. You said in a recent interview, it was actually a Cork interview with the, the Cork Independent, it was a very interesting interview, you said, I've met bands that on their second album, they're doing jobs with working in, in minicabs and, uh, you know, record yeah. companies more interested in merchandising or uh, more interested in the size of your Instagram or your Snapchat or your um, social media following. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, record companies, at, I mean, right, my first point is, Okay, I've been really lucky. I'm still doing this after 43 years, loving it and doing what I, you know, living the dream. For a lot of young bands and artists out there, forget the Adele's and the Ed Sheeran's and um, the the Beyonce's and stuff, but a lot of the young bands coming up are just, it's just not cutting through. People don't value music in the same way. And for young artists and bands to monetize it, is so difficult yeah. uh, and as I said I, I met a band um, they were on the second album they, they've done okay they were doing pretty okay getting really but some of them you know a couple of them were doing minicab jobs just to supplement their income yeah, yeah. And, and, and the dilemma is is that yes I can do festivals all over the world because I've got a pedigree I play all the hits True Gold everything else but how, how does a young band or a young artist get that recognition it's radios become more and more conservative. Mm. Record companies are just, as they always have been, are just interested in the buck, you know. And if it's not happening on TikTok, I mean, I said the other was it the other day. I said to someone, you could release Ziggy. I could go to Ziggy Stardust, uh, make Ziggy Stardust, go to the record company and say, guys, this is amazing. We th- we should release it. Well, what's your Instagram and TikTok following? That's nothing to do with the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then the record companies now want they want the three sixty deal. So you've not only got management taking money off the bands and everything else, you've got the record company taking merchandising, publishing, uh, you know, record royalties. It's it's virtually impossible um, for for young bands to make it. So were you there for the best of times then? Like is your like your set list now is it all of the hits? You you still pay homage to all of the hits. Yeah, I mean I, I, the, the one thing I've always done and I've seen massive artists deny their past. It's suicide, musical suicide. You'll see people walking out the venue. You've got to do you've got to do the hits, you've got to do story, you've got to do chant, you've got to do barricades, true gold, only when you leave, etc., etc. Because, number one, I get a kick out, I still get a kick out of singing them, but also they trigger memories for people. You totally. Know it's like yeah. you're, you hear a record on the radio and it takes you right back to when you were 11 or 14, your first kiss or whatever. And it's the same with the, with the Spanish songs. But what's nice about it is, I'm, and I'm working, funny enough, I was in the studio yesterday, What's nice about it is is to throw in a few of the newer songs mm. and say, guys, really, I know you want to hear all the hits, but listen, check this out. I hope you like it. And that's been working really, really well. So, um, But you've got to give people what they want. Tony Hadley gives value for money. Well, you're playing Cork, as I say, <laughs> but you're on side for the Guinness Jazz Festival, City Hall, 28th of October. I have three sets of tickets to give away. Thank you for that. Um, I, I'm going to finish up by allowing you to choose because there's so many hits, but I've narrowed it down to a choice of two. So Tony Hadley will pick either True or Through the Barricades. 
through the barricades every day of the week. I partly guessed you'd say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's my favourite Spano Ballet song. It's the one that tells a story. It's Romeo and Julia. It's just, I think, a beautiful, beautiful song. OK, have a good one, my man. See you in Cork soon, all right? Hey, good. See you in Cork. Thanks, Jim. Cheers, mate. All the best. It's a classic all the same, isn't it? Through the barricades. Spandau Ballet play Cork, or should I say, Tony Hadley of Spandau Ballet plays City Hall on the 28th of October. Phone lines are open now, 0818104106. we got double pairs of tickets to give away for the gig. We'll give away two pairs now and hold on a pair uh, for closer to the jazz. So get dialing for those on 0818104106. If you're buying for the gig, tickets for uh, Tony Hadley at uh, City Hall are available at Ticketmaster at 49.50. After the break, Michael Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 0818-104-106. Uh, just to finish, Michael Graham, Minister for Finance, joins me. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Tough, I hope you're well. I'm well. Tough morning for you. The morning after the budget It's where people uh, digest it and to some extent tear it apart. It's like spreading butter on bread. You have to spread it very thin to kind of give something to everybody. Uh, was it enough, though? People are remarking this morning that say straight away on welfare, the 12 euro increase per week isn't uh, co- covering the cost of a big bag of coal, for instance. Uh, there's a lot in the budget, Neil, and I think it will take time for everyone to fully absorb all the details. And what we found last year was it was really only when the payments started coming through, uh, which they will in the coming weeks, and when the income tax reductions uh, begin to apply uh, in January and when the electricity credits are applied to people's accounts, uh, that it will become real and they, that they'll uh, feel and see uh, the benefit of the various measures uh, because there's a lot to take in and yeah, uh, there, yeah. there are a lot of they're, measures in the budget. But they're one-off payments though, Michael, you know, when they're gone, they're uh, gone, like... Uh, some of them are and, you know, they are of real help to people and I know they were appreciated last year and uh, I know that... The, the, they will help people across uh, the coming months, which will be difficult. But we look, we put our best foot forward. It was a large budget package. Uh, yes, there are lots of competing priorities, lots of um, groups making the case legitimately for more investment, more resources. There is always a limit to what we can do, even though we have uh, budget surpluses and overall we're in a good place. But some of that money, Neil, is coming from corporate tax receipts that we think will not continue to come in in the future and so that's why we can spend some of it now on capital investment but we do also have to provide uh, for the future just to make it that little bit safer for all of us uh, and to avoid decisions down the line that would hurt people No, I mean there are very positive things, extending the children's allowance to 18 year olds brings them up to almost their 19th birthday, the free school book scheme going all the way up to junior cycle, the hot meals for kids, they're they're all very good moves, don't get me wrong but I I know that for instance Justice Ireland Ireland was saying that a welfare increase of 12 euro falls far short of what people need, they were figuring it should have been 25 euro, like the minimum wage is still 210 below the living wage, it's about trying to put food on tape, put the heat on, put petrol in the car, pay the mortgage, that's what people are dealing with you see. Yeah it is uh, but I do believe we are making progress overall like what we've had to experience in the last uh, uh, 12 to 18 months has been exceptional. Uh, we've had inflation in Ireland that hit uh, almost 10% uh, 
uh, it averaged about 8% last year. We haven't seen those levels of inflation for 40 years. Uh, the early 1980s is when we last saw levels like that. And it really hurts people. I mean, inflation makes doing business really difficult. Yeah. Uh, we know uh, the costs that people are facing. It will be different next year. Uh, and while inflation is falling, I know price levels, which is what really matters, are generally not falling yet. We've had announcements about energy price reductions and those will begin to kick in now uh, from the 1st of November uh, in many cases. Uh, but across next year, uh, I, I do expect... Sinn Féin would have capped that, for instance, your your fuel stuff. You know, Brett Gars putting petrol or diesel in the car. Um, well... I mean, that would essentially be giving uh, a subsidy to the energy companies. We think it's far better to give direct support uh, to the people. And uh, those those credits were, uh, you know, I think well received and badly needed last year. We've had some reductions in the prices announced uh, and uh, the, the 450 euro, I think, will be will be welcomed by many. Yeah, they, they also say that you failed abysmally in education. You failed abysmally in housing. Well, maybe not so much education, I correct myself, but certainly housing and health falling far short in all targets. Like kind of almost yeah, giving up on health. Uh, we, we certainly haven't. And look, I acknowledge the opposition has a job to do. And no matter how much we did yesterday, they would come out and say it wasn't enough uh, and that we should have done more. And that's politics. And, and I understand that. But if you stand back from the detail and look at what we have done in, you mentioned about free books at uh, second level now uh, in the junior cycle and you combine that with free books at primary level like who would have thought in two years you could make um, huge steps like that or in childcare where we had a 25% reduction in fees on average uh, since the beginning of this year yeah. and by September next year another 25 who would have thought yeah. in a two year period uh, you could potentially reduce by half the childcare fees that people uh, are paying. So these are huge gains. Uh, and when you combine it with all of the other measures, uh, and I would just ask people to consider the budget uh, in the round. Uh, and, you know, we could, of course, go further, but we could put the finances at risk. Uh, and we know when it goes wrong, we know when decisions have to be made that really hurt people. Very often, it's the most vulnerable that suffer. And I never want our country, again, to be in that situation where those kind of decisions have to be made. But you know the USC or the mortgage relief, doesn't that shouldn't that have been more kind of um, you know, limited to people who need those reductions most rather than people who are very wealthy um, or earning very big salaries also benefiting when they don't really need it as much as say the middle income and the low income earners? Well, I do believe that when you look at my, my tax package that uh, there is uh, a good overall balance to it because I increased uh, all of the main credits by €100 Euro each. So for all workers, that's uh, that's €200 Euro because you get the POE credit and the personal credit. And then we, we widened that lower USC band uh, so that more of your income is on the 2% rate now right. as, opposed to, as opposed to the higher rate. Uh, and we all, we've also reduced that key middle band uh, the rate there from four and a half uh, to four percent, and then for middle income workers who do enter the entry the the the, the higher rate of marginal income tax in Ireland at relatively low levels of income, uh, you know that was forty thousand. We're increasing that by a further uh, couple of thousand. Like all of these things will help. Um, I mean, many people earning, you know, whether it be um, 40,000, 50,000 euro will make will make significant gains in income tax in this budget. A lot of pushback this morning on um, one particular topic. The Irish Times reported.
supporting two and a half billion to assist the people fleeing war from Ukraine. Uh, an, that's up um, from two billion last year and a billion the year before. 180 million for international accommodation for the protection services. 34 million to the Department of Justice to help with processing. And a bizarre figure that I can't get my head around, 1.9 billion to the Department of Children for international protection seekers. That's a big ball of cash, isn't it, on top of the 776 million to overseas aid. The general consensus this morning is, while all that's very well, people here at home are struggling desperately and see this as a huge amount of money that could be spent better. Well, I think when we look at what's going on around the world, and unfortunately we're seeing more and more examples of of conflict, of tension, um, migration is going to become a much bigger challenge for all of us, not just in Ireland, but right across Europe. Uh, and we have to continue to work at it. We do have uh, legal obligations internationally uh, that we I have to fulfil. Oh, I know that, but, but like it's about four, four and a half billion. The entire budget package is something like 14 billion. Doesn't that seem extraordinarily high? Yeah, no, so under uh, under Radical Gorman's department, we are making uh, provision for uh, the cost of uh, the fallout on the war in Ukraine and looking after those people uh, of uh, up to two and a half billion euro. Uh, that is, we believe, a temporary cost. Many of those people will return home. Others are beginning to work now. Uh, the main cost is in accommodation where we are under pressure. Uh, we accept that. Uh, we've taken in about 100,000 people or so in the last year, either from Ukraine yeah, uh, or from uh, other countries. But, you know, we, we just have to do the best we can uh, while accepting it does place pressure on a system where accommodation is already uh, in short supply. Listen, I appreciate you taking the time this morning, a little and all as I had, but that's probably uh, just the way it goes on the morning after Budget Day. Thank you so much for taking the call, you, Michael. Neil. Appreciate care, it. Bye-bye. Michael McGrath, Minister for Finance. Perhaps at a later date, I'll have a, a little bit more time to drill in some more. I, I'm expecting uh, Mike Michal Martin in studio on, on Friday morning, so we can have a, a further chat on that and all of the topics that might be of interest to you. So text on that one if you have a question between now and Friday. Text 0868104106. We're going to do a double whammy tomorrow and Friday of our giveaways for the Maldron Hotel on the South Mall, which means you have extra chances Thursday and Friday to win an overnight stay for four people, including dinner at the beautiful Maldron Hotel on the South Mall. So something else to look forward to. I'm out of time for now. Lines will stay open. You can always text 0868104106. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.